0: Welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and smoke bombs, one of the most important eras of wrestling history. I'm your host, Dave, and this podcast will be looking at Fall Brawl 1998, the Death of War games. I couldn't do this without my own little tag team to bring into the cell, so first, let me introduce you to Fergus Looney. How are you doing, Fergus?
1: I've just realized that a lot of those, those entrances would have been improved with the Batman-style pow or wham or something. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, not looking forward to this. I sadly forgot to buy alcohol. Uh,
0: <laughs> so uh, we're just going to have to go through it with regular water, friends. Well, good luck with that one. And of course, from across the pond, Connor O'Donnell. How you doing, Connor?
2: Speak to me, warrior. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm totally oh. jacked
3: up for this episode. Finally, get to talk about some warrior. And yeah, Gus, uh, we didn't discuss this beforehand. We didn't have a podcast meeting about the alcohol. I'm also doing water for this episode. Well, yeah. Oddly it's, enough. So. I'm yeah. a true, no, we'll, we'll,
1: we'll get there. No alcohol good enough to uh, take away these memories. His show is not worth it. Yeah, no, it's really not. <laughs>
0: Well, patience, Warriors, patience. We're going to delve into the Nitro, and we're going to nearly exclusively look at one of the biggest signings, probably in WCW history, and one of the biggest duds, the debut of the Ultimate Warrior. Gus, what do you have for us on the Nitros and Thunders this week? It's just Warrior.
3: Yeah. <laughs> first I get sued.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> they, they have to they actually make a big deal about that.
0: He's quite the character.
1: <laughs> uh, over the whatever it is 10 episodes i think i watched of of uh, wrestling for this pay-per-view he can really be summed up with connor's excellent impersonation at the start because Shouty. he does a lot he does a lot of that he doesn't wrestle he doesn't even do any wrestling moves in fact to the point where it's just literal smoke and mirrors to be perfectly honest mm. like it's not there is an incredibly comical moment where he cage one or the regular one i can't remember he does it twice where smoke fills the ring there's a whole bunch of people in the ring and then when the smoke clears people are like knocked out cold and he's like appeared in the ring to like freak hogan out but one of the times they don't get the smoke right so you get to watch nwo members just like lay down politely lay down on the floor (laughs) and pass out (laughs) there is like i'll give them some credit there's it's a very amusing moment where like Hogan's trying to trap him in in the cage he appears in the middle and Hogan has had a chair with it in his hand and Warrior arrives sitting on a chair and everybody else is knocked out like he's just beaten them all up and you're like hey there wasn't enough time to do all this <laughs> but he, yeah he shows up to big fanfare uh, apparently DDP convinces him to show up because he is very very disappointed in the fall of Hogan. He goes to great lengths to talk about Hogan's warrior spirit and how he used to be an ideal, but that's all disappeared. And now he's going to eradicate him because otherwise people won't have good idols or something. But he says that with way, way more uh, words, especially really highfalutin ones like malfeasance. He loves saying
0: malfeasance at him. I watched some of these promos myself. Because yeah. uh, they're pretty legendary, including the ones where Bischoff tries to wrap him up when he just eats them. That's in just
1: minutes. the first one.
0: There's this like good core to the promos, like the whole idea yeah. that like if he's a fallen idol and this is almost like the ghost of Christmas past coming for him. You know, is kind of cool. But ma- man, he gets very cartoony and very.
1: He just doesn't. Uh, he doesn't shut up. Like he he calls a disciple. I see you've brought your barber. It's a good <laughs> line. But to be fair, that very first promo was is amazing for two reasons. There's, they get an amazing shot of Hogan, whose jaw has literally dropped, because it looks like he's seen a ghost.
3: A little overdramatic, but yes.
1: But it's so well done, and then yeah. the very first thing he says, is, Warrior hasn't even spoken yet, and Hogan just goes into him like, I thought you were dead. <laughs> 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 so he like, he takes off the shirt, the literal shirt off his back, tries to recruit him to the NWO, tries all these different tricks, and, nothing works. But after that, after that promo, he just kind of skulks around. He does like the sting thing. He'll be up in the rafters. For some reason, they do like a bat signal type thing for him.
0: It's, the Warrior signal's so good.
1: It's never used for any relevance because like, <laughs> it's always at the end of a promo or something. And it's Th- that not... would have been cool if WCW did something like that. We need your help, Warrior. Yeah, but no, <laughs> it's just randomly. and dealing
0: with the bat signal. <laughs> I,
1: don't, I don't know why... His, he's chosen his promo ender line to be I'll speak to you next week, Warrior fans same Warrior, Warrior time, channel. same yeah. Warrior channel, and then they do the fade to black, the crackle of uh, TV going, going static, and that's how he ends every promo, it's just really w- weird there's no further explanation of what it is he just constantly pesters Hogan and the NWO uh, he hangs uh, Disciple at one point Oh my god. Uh, And oh, he makes sure to call... He is the one warrior nation.
0: Oh, very clever.
1: Very clever. Um, I will give them some points for continuity because Hogan does build his arrival up for a couple weeks because he keeps going on about how nobody has beaten him. And they make this a big point that he's the only person who's ever beaten Hogan and Hogan hasn't beaten in return. Yeah,
3: That's a weird talking point, particularly when thinking about the self-destruction of the ultimate warrior. They point out that... Warrior says that in his first promo, and then they make sure to bury him in that sense
0: of you don't do that in your promo. Yeah, but it's the whole thing they've set up. <laughs> yeah, they also did that with Piper. No, yes, this is a rehash of Piper's thing. Oh, no one's ever beaten me. Oh no, it's an um, old Scottish. Yeah, film.
1: they they write off a couple of NWO members, I presume, because they went. They've gone to back to Japan. Scott Norton and Brian Adams, I think. So.
3: Would you say the his first original promo aged well? Because it's it seems like it was better than like what I remember.
1: Way better than I thought it was going to be. It's just super long. Mm-hmm. He just goes on way too long. Obviously, Bischoff's trying to get him to wrap it up, and he just doesn't. It's not like the WrestleMania promos where he's talking about spaceships and stuff like that. Like This is a bit more grounded. He has a premise. Like He's going after Hogan because he's upset at what he's done with his career. And that it's fairly logical. It just doesn't make sense for the rest of the show. <laughs> like,
3: you're, so you're telling me the magic smoke kind of gets a little out of hand at some points. Cause at least the first promo where he kind of disappears, cause it's kind of hinting. It's like Batman. Sometimes he just, you know, disappears, but yeah. when he's like, I'm in one ring now, I'm in the deliver the rafters. And it's just, uh, yeah, now, it's just, now it's getting a little too. It's bad.
1: a bit more. They just do it a bit too much. Towards the end. It's like they they just don't really know what to do. Obviously, they can't afford to pay him to show up too much or do too much or whatever the contract is. So I guess it's just how do we get around this? What what can we do without him getting physically involved or
0: whatever? How do you guys in general feel about wrestlers with superpowers?
3: (laughs) When I was a kid, I thought it was pretty sweet. But for some reason, it only seemed to work with some. People like Kane and Undertaker for some reason.
0: I've always hated it because even as a kid, so when Undertaker just electrocutes a sign to scare <laughs> the wrestlers, I'm like, why doesn't he just electrocute them in a match?
2: Yeah, in, in yeah.
3: kayfabe, so, I always think like it's he has like an invisible like neck brace, you know, in, like an X Men that like takes away their powers or something like that.
1: Yeah, you know? or you need too much concentration to do it, like, or you need to prepare it or whatever, something like that. So, so
0: Uses up your 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 stamina bar. Yeah. There's a definite scale. People seem very accepting of Kane and Undertaker, who are 10 out of 10 of Magic Men and wrestling. And then there's the Papa Shango at the bottom. I love Papa Shango. He was great. <laughs> I like his right. aesthetic, but doesn't he like make Ultimate Warrior like puke at one stage and yeah, mind-control him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Why doesn't he do that to all his opponents? Because...
1: You need, like, specific tools and rituals. You can't just mm. do it, you know, that kind of way.
0: Yeah, that's
2: true. So.
1: Anyway, for the most <laughs> part, it's a very, very small part of the show. Is the other thing, it's maybe 20 minutes of three hours at most. But the, all the guys still have the regular stuff going on as well. And he kind of just vaguely interacts every now and then. But the, the whole reason he's been b- brought in is because he's supposed to be part of the team WCW for War Games, apparently. Uh, And DDP is the one who's supposed to have figured out how to reach him. I I don't know how they they make that leap. So
0: uh, a large problem I have with a lot of uh, WCW's booking of Hogan, and I don't mean only NWO, I mean like back when they first acquired him, is a lot of it is just rehashes of the golden era of Hogan. Like a lot of his like iconic feuds or like they just do the same thing. They get monsters in to fight him like WWE did with the dungeon of uh, Doom and have him just squash them all easily. Where does this kind of feel to you in the rankings of rehashed Hogan feuds, like Piper, the kind of dungeon stuff, macho? Th- does it feel like old and used, or does it feel kind of new?
1: I don't know, to be honest, because they don't really do too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, I guess he is. He does seem, he like he comes across as actually scared, which he has never been up until now while he's been in the NWO. Like yeah. he genuinely seems a bit freaked out, and he's frazzled even at one
3: point as he yells at a Beaver that what do you mean he's invisible?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the graffiti, what do you mean he's invisible?
1: He walks into the into the locker room and there's the graffiti like and he's genuinely freaked out and he's like, How does he keep doing this? And, blah, blah, blah. and it, it, they're so worried about the whole thing and like all the rest of the show he's like, Yeah, I can't wait to win the title again. They're going to beat that bum, Goldberg. Like, no, he's going to stop me. And then, Are like, you
3: telling me WCW is really bad at continuity? <laughs>
1: yeah, you never <laughs> guess. Storylines.
0: Seems to happen almost every um, other storyline. No, this not, not my WCW. But uh, he,
1: again, that's because like he's so rarely a, a part of the show. And obviously the NWO is still a massive part of it. So there is a kind of dichotomy going on where they have to fill time. And Hogan operates differently in different situations. I think every single show... Opens cold. There isn't the nitro graphics. They start with something. It's usually the NWO coming to the ring now. No longer are they waiting till era number two to grace uh, the public with their presence. They're like, straight out, there's a promo or there's a match or somebody's being attacked backstage and they have to start right away, kind of thing.
3: Yeah, this sounds like the WCW I remember watching week to week.
1: Like the only other thing that's really changed is there was a bit at the start of the month. They made a real point of going on how Nitro is always live, unlike other people. So obviously, Raw is taped for a couple of weeks for whatever reason. And they're like, we would never do something like that. And we would, there was something about some main event only being like a minute and a half. I, I meant to go back and check which one it was. But like, uh, lads. Austin versus
3: Undertaker, I think it was. This is yeah. like
1: stones of glass houses here. Have you seen your main events? Like, <laughs> like I, I don't think I've watched a main event that's finished. Like, that's had an actual finish in two months now. Everything is a DQ or a non-contest.
3: So, Gus, as we kind of transition into, you know, war games in this pay-per-view, I, wa- I wanted to ask, because it seemed like when I was going through the notes of, of your Nitros, that it seemed to be that the Wolfpack and the black and white were like very at odds with each other. But would it be fair to say that this show didn't really represent what was going on, like on the Nitros compared to like what the pay-per-view depicted?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, not to spoil the pay-per-view, but do they, they don't really do much, do they? <laughs> but do um, they do, like, but... it seems more heated on
3: Nitros, but on the pay-per-view, it's just like, eh, whatever.
1: Yeah, there's more like there is more going on it was probably more last month. They had like a lot more backstage altercations. I think some of the problem is Scott Hall is missing. I, I assume that he was meant to be a big part of continuing the plot. Obviously he's meant to be involved with Kevin. Yeah. And he's meant to be, he's meant to be in the war games match too. And Kevin just kind of has to be shunted around into different stuff. They do this thing where they're, they follow up, they actually follow up on continuity wise with DDP. They're like, we offered you a spot. What's the deal? Are you going to be with us or against us for war games? They actually have like a good few intertwining storylines like Bret Hart's one with his respect of Hogan and Sting. That seems to be coming into clash a lot more. Brett gets very upset at Hogan in a tag match because Hogan takes his belt and starts whipping Sting. And Brett's like, that wasn't part of the deal. I'm out. And he like they lose by count out because they're arguing in the in the aisle. It's not fully explained, but Brett seems to be just kind of going, I want to be friends with Sting and Hogan somehow. He's still in and or out of the NWO at the same time. So there's a lot of stuff going on. There's lots of stuff they don't follow through on either. Giant doesn't seem to have a clue what he's doing half the half the month. He interferes. they've, they've,
3: They've given up with him.
1: He interferes in like two, two Jericho matches never explained why he does that
3: yep jericho no talks clue. about that in his book
1: no clue <laughs> I, I, my my yeah. assumption is that nothing is going to happen they'll never speak of it again it probably don't. won't happen they don't but yeah it's probably more heated than what it is i think the mess of the rules of the match don't help maybe three shows before the pay-per-view piper arrives on the scene and uh, he's revealed as the third wcw member and he's like i don't know what you guys have been going on about all this time because there's only one winner of war games. And it's at this point that everybody in the world remember is realizes there's all these teams of three, but the person who wins wins by themselves. I don't know why they decide to do this, <laughs> it's never explained, but they just say the winner of the team is the one who gets a title shot. And Roddy's like, I don't care about you guys, I'm wrestling for myself. <laughs> they kind of try to get everybody else to be like oh maybe we can't trust such and such or such and such yeah it's just it's just bizarre because the rules are kind of half hodgepodge together and they really just say it's going to be a match because they want to try and sort out the nwo fight because they keep fighting backstage so let's have war games and let's also put team wcw in it because we want to use all our big stars but not a world champion apparently
0: it's funny, Eric, I think Eric says on the podcast, he doesn't like these big matches. He doesn't like war games. He didn't like World War Three, And it's because they're really hard to shoot for people at home, or they were back then, obviously. Stuff has come on. I think it shows so clearly <laughs> that he doesn't really care for these things in the build-ups for them. It just makes, it makes no sense. He's, like, blaming the match for it not being, like, a followable kind of formula. But he, he he makes the rules for the matches. They're the bookers. <laughs> like it's his choice to make it this convoluted. And you could just not
3: do it either. So it it, <laughs> yeah. if it took you like three or four years to figure that out. It's like I don't know what to say. Yeah,
0: it's so weird. But in
3: the end, I th- I think it is a little cleaner having anybody that can win. You don't have to wait until everybody gets in as well. So that the rules are five minutes, two guys start, and then two minutes each another person comes in so i do actually kind of like the changes and i don't know like it, it is kind of a wrestler going for themselves but it's still like it is still a win for their team in a way
1: yeah it's just they just don't communicate it early enough and like okay. the fact that piper has to be the one to point it out and then they don't really follow up that's on never it, great that yeah. <laughs> so everybody's kind of assuming that it's like oh the team wins and the captain is the guy who gets the title shot. That's that's my assumption when they announce it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. all the captains will be the ones that get the title shot because Hogan basically treats it as I'm going to get my two best people and they're going to work for me so I can win. Uh, yeah, and like, okay. it still follows through. Like You, you see it in the match, but, but yeah, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, anybody can win and they don't have to pass out or quit. They can just be pinned.
0: Opening vignette to this pay per views, is, uh, I think, got a nice funky music, grainy cuts, just showing the three teams in the main event. Simple and, uh, yeah, I think decent. I think I said this in the last uh, pay-per-view as well, but uh, this is in uh, Salem, North Carolina again. That's been all the war games we covered. I don't know if that's on purpose oh. or... Oh, that's cool. But uh, I think all the last four anyway, and I think we covered the last three, and they were all here. Explains the flare chance even more. Yeah, yeah, we're in flare country. Uh, the comedy team are not into this motif as much. They're just their classic kind of tuxes. They go over the rules that Gus just explained to you, including the winner can win at any time. And the shot, uh, the title shot is a Halloween havoc. They turn it over to Gene who's uh, on the stage, but he's interrupted by Jericho who calls him Gene mean, which I think is a chic reference. It is. I think that's an iron chic reference. He, he uses it multiple times. So I don't think it's a, a mistake anyway. And he says, oh, no, there will, there will be a yeah, there will be a title versus title match tonight. It's him versus Goldberg. That Bill is whining and complaining that Curse is getting good treatment, like it, like he is backstage, and he's going to beat him to be the first double champion. This is obviously a a classic Jericho uh, segment, and this is talked about a lot in his WCW run. What do you guys think of this? The only downside to this is because I watched the shows, he does
1: almost exactly this." on a thunder <laughs> so it's mostly a repeat but it's still
0: good uh we'll so. get to it for his uh quote unquote air quotes match but apparently yeah it's like almost shot for shot something he does in a, a ton of Every, everything by the match itself he d- he doesn't do the match in the previous yeah. thing <laughs> the crowd also notably super hot for this that he is getting mega heat for shitting on goldberg and goldberg is super over we get a uh, goldberg chance during this first match of the night we have dancing fools versus uh do I call them the Hart Foundation? Bulldog and uh, Jim Neihard, Uh I don't. I don't know if they call them the Hart Foundation ever on coverage. Well, I don't think they can for legal reasons. So, <laughs>
3: yeah. well, you can't call him Nighthart either. They spell his name wrong. For fun yeah, sake.
0: yeah. This match is historic for all the wrong reasons. We're not going to go over the match much. Uh, this is kind of two jobber teams. Bulldog and Nighthart haven't done much since they have debuted uh, in the company. Mostly jobbing out. Bulldog has done some winning individually. I want to say. There was a segment with Bulldog and Neihard versus Luger where Brett gets involved. So kind of turning on them, kind of not Brett's constant, you know, we don't know what side he's on kind of storyline going on. The Dancing Fools have been mostly jobbers doing the exact same thing we've seen them since the last pay-per-view and somehow sneaking themselves onto another pay-per-view. God knows fucking how. But this is historic because for War Games, as always, just two rings set up. And not to spoil too much what happens in the main event, but there's a trapdoor in one of the rings. The teams in this match, according to all pa- all interviews I've seen, were not aware that there was a trapdoor. So they are just doing full bumps on what they describe as hard as concrete trapdoor in the middle of the ring. Connor has directed us to an Alex Wright uh, interview, which is actually really interesting. And he gets gorilla slammed onto it and feels like he got broken in half. Given no warning about this. <laughs> And Bulldog, who is already, and you can see him in this match, not he in the looks prime. in fucking rough shape. Yeah, I mean, he, this he, is
3: if you go back to just a year ago when we covered Canadian Stampede, he does not look anywhere like this. Like he's he's just glazed over his stomach, just looks disgusting.
0: Yeah, I, I hate to comment on someone's health, but he he looks red, he looks bloated, he doesn't do a lot of wrestling, and he looks very tired. And this is not the to comment on his appearance more that like he was able for this stuff with a year ago. And it's known very well that he is, uh, as the wrestling business likes to call it, you know, fighting personal demons, you know, off his face on pain pills all the time.
2: At
3: what point do you stop him from wrestling?
0: There's a lot of comments about that, right? A lot of wrestlers are like, why didn't someone stop bulldog? Like it was very obvious to anyone that was near him. Eric like says it in his interview. It's very obvious. He's not in a good state and, uh, someone needs to stop him from wrestling, but no one does. And WCW goes as far as not even to stop him wrestling with a big metal sheet in the fucking middle of the ring. When there is a second ring, they can just wrestle in. They could have just been told to wrestle in the rightmost ring because the left one has a fucking trapdoor. Instead, Bulldog takes multiple bumps on this, and you can see him visibly adjust his bumping to his hip instead of his back. So he obviously hurts his back very badly on one of the first bumps. And gets a staff infection because of this in his back. He gets a really badly injured back and already being hooked apparently on pain pills. Takes even more pain pills to get through his work for the next while, and gets a major staff infection and misses a huge amount of time wrestling. And gets fired by WCW. I want to say while he's missing as well when when he's uh, when he's uh, on uh, leave. He does wrestle after this. He makes it back to. WWF for Gene's uh, Bulldog run, but of course, tragically dies not too long after that. And while 2002, 2002, it's... yeah, not like four years after this incident, I think. So, while it's unfair to completely blame WCW on the passing of Bulldog, this is a man that obviously had a lot of troubles in his life and needed a lot of help that he didn't receive. Like, this injury definitely worsens his addictions and leads him down a worse road. And yeah, I don't know how they never got sued over this incident. To be honest, or had any ramifications that I that I heard of. Maybe they gave bulldog some money, and we don't know about it. But this seems like extreme negligence on the company's part.
3: Yeah, especially for what it was building towards. If you're doing an, if you're doing something magnificent with that trapdoor, maybe yeah. you can argue it. But <laughs> as obviously, we'll talk about it later. I don't think it's uh, quite worth it. So, no. yeah, you know, you kind of think of. What the WWF is doing with Brawl for All, and it's not quite worth what, what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Siphoning the, the health of your talent for something that's very minimal gain.
1: On on top of all of this, I just don't understand why this opens the show. We're yeah, this used is one of to... their
0: quote unquote added matches. They, they <laughs> mentioned that in like three matches. I'm like, I don't want to see your random jobbers on the pay per view.
1: Like, we're used to over the past two and a half years, whatever it is, where the pay per views of like, a, a, a usually pretty decent opener and like something fast paced and they had that on the card but instead they just added this random tag match that neither team has interacted with at all over the past month and there isn't really any reason for them to be on the show it's not like they're they've been winning matches as tag teams even Right. It's so, kind of heels versus
3: heels as well. There's just
1: It's, it's so super awkward. I just don't get why like was there nobody else in the back or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
2: I,
3: I pointed out that a lot of WCW wrestlers are hurt right now. I just taking the toll of the intense schedule of the three hour nitros and the thunders and the house shows and the Saturday yeah. nights and the pay per views. So I, I, I get it, but yeah, there's do we really need this match? No. There's no. probably other people that could have could have done it.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's like long as well. It's eleven minutes. Yeah, like there's other matches with good wrestlers on the cards that cock in for less, and especially Nyhard and uh, Bulldog are kind of limited at this stage. Like the only good wrestler in the ring is probably right again. Interesting in his interview that he says that like he's looking forward to feuding with Bulldog. Both of them are like perfect European wrestlers, and Bulldog's just past it. He's like really limited at this stage. Kind of weird. Extremely sad. And I think, I think we'll move on on this like, horrible footnote of WCW history. It gets thrown back to Gene backstage, and he's in front of Scott's and Buff's locker room. Scott has a tiny plaster on and a doctor's cert that he can't have a match with his brother. J.J. Dillon steps in, he throws it away, and he says Scott is out of excuses. And it's a shame that he even tried to forge something like this. And he, he says he's going to go through with banning Scott if he doesn't show up for the match against Rick. Scott uh, Scott scrambling for the ripped up doctor cert has to be a highlight of this feud for me. All this stuff is extremely silly, but Scott has been very, very funny. Has it been as good on the nitros, Gus? Nope. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no. Oh,
3: we haven't gotten to Chucky yet, right? Not unless which one's Chucky? The character from the movie. Am I? Am I... Oh, oh no, no,
1: that hasn't happened yet. No. Oh, okay, no, no. I thought it to... next
3: month, Gus. Get ready. Oh, yeah. it's ha-
1: of course, have it. No, all we've had to do with is uh, really bad weed and dick jokes constantly. I know that. Uh, Buff Bagwell dresses up as a Jamaican man. He do, he's a Jamaican doctor. Dude, witch yeah, doctor, I, I think they, they actually do call him a witch doctor, I'm pretty sure. Oh my God. They, he, they bring a doctor around with them who's just like some stoner dude and who they'd like just pay to say whatever they need or whatever. But it's just loads of terrible jokes. And Bagwell dresses up as Rick a lot and as a dog. So,
0: yeah. Bagwell just,
1: loves dressing up. Uh, I mean, it works for his character. Like,
0: yeah. it does suit. It's just not very funny. Yeah. <laughs> The sides of this feud feel so uneven. So I am enjoying Comedy Scott, and he's showing some nice charisma during at least the pay-per-view segments I'm seeing. But on the other side, you have Rick, who's playing this feud as deadly serious. So there's a really good interview segment. I think it's on, is it the Go Home Thunder? Yeah. Where where Rick is like, sit down interview. We used to be the best high team in the world. These are just clips,
1: by the way. They don't do a full promo.
0: Yeah, fair, fair. It's, uh, but it's like serious and Rick, who's usually very incoherent, as we'll see later in the internet corner. My family's disappointed. I'm going to beat him up for my family. For me, we used to be the best high team in the world. And then the other segments are both Bagwell doing like <laughs> cultural appropriation bits. Like, it's just so weird. It's like there's two completely different writers on this feud. Uh,
1: it's just Rick isn't there. So he yeah. never presents his side of the of the argument.
0: Weird one, I, I do, uh, for some reason, I do have a, a comic weakness for people scrambling for useless pieces of paper, just like my holts. So it, this this was funny, but extremely off, off-putting off in the overall feud, which should be a five-month-blood feud, but has been mostly Buff Bagwell jokes. Match number two of the night, uh, in a quotation marks, it's Chris Jericho versus world heavyweight champion Goldberg. And we get the famous uh, Goldberg ripoff walkout with Ralphus and the other security guard. I can't remember the other guy's name. Jerogaholic Ninja? Yeah. Jer- <laughs> Jer- <laughs> and he does the spinal tap bit where he can't find the ring, and he just keeps calling out the city's name. Rock and Roll Salem, I think he keeps saying, or Winston. He takes a huge amount of time. They mess up the gag a little bit where someone accidentally left open the back door. So he yeah. can kind of see where he's heading, but he's like, fuck it, have to go through with the bit anyway. So walks to the back doors, a little bit of uh, WCW uh, not being prepared for Jericho's bits.
1: That is a bit also to play into the original one he does on Thunder. Yeah. The one that the famous one, which isn't this one, is where he can't find the ring and Rath has to go and get him because he locks himself out of the arena. and this is how they get the famous shot where they run around the corner and they stop and start talking to each other, but the camera follows them. So everybody gets to see Chris and Rath just, like, stop trying and kind of laughing to themselves and it's on live television or whatever. And the door is
0: clearly open too. Yeah, Yeah. so when Oh, he stops with his own foot, I remember that he opens it, it flies open and he jams his own foot in front of it So
1: there when he does it on on the pay-per-view, you see he gets to the door and he's like, No, 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 this is not happening again. I'm not yeah. getting locked out. I'm
0: like, not getting I'm not following for this, yeah. It it's a good bit. It is, and yeah. what's
1: what's even better is JPS
3: is in Ralphus is one of my favorite things as a kid. This is pretty much what cemented me as a Jericho fan. Ralphus is so funny. And the fact that he's just a, a truck, a random truck driver that they had beautiful i love it even more
0: R- ralphus fully embraces this as well I don't, I don't know i don't know what's so funny about him he's just so for his demeanor is so super funny. serious yeah like yeah. he obviously doesn't
3: understand wrestling so it just it's it's <laughs> yeah. perfectly for like what the jericho character is just like obviously not a bodyguard but like jericho is just too stupid or too poor to like get a real bodyguard so it's like yeah i'll just get this random guy in the street and that's what he is so it's just it works on so many levels and uh, does, does he do the shake wagging of the finger yet? Does he do that? No, that, like okay. this is
1: only the second time he's been on the show.
3: Excellent. Okay. So we're so, still very much in the yeah. state. That's great. They, they they
1: haven't like made any attempt at actually making more than a 2D character yet.
3: Okay, good. Yeah. He hasn't yeah. had matches like he
0: actually. No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. <sighs> <sighs> he has more oh, matches no. than I knew. He has oh, God, matches I, after Jericho leaves the company.
1: Like when I say they did, the, <laughs> they did it for the first time on Thunder. That's his first appearance. So okay. this is a this is a okay, so they, don't, they don't
3: really call attention to it, I see. It's just
0: he shows up. I see. of a bird of an icon we're seeing here wow. we're taking part in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He does eventually get to the to the arena where his pyro goes off, but it's like little sprinklers that he kicks. It's more spinal tap. More spinal tap. <sighs> he, mm-hmm. He's even putting on the English accent when he does it. Like he's not even trying to hide what he's parading or pretty much ripping. All off. he's missing is a stonehenge, I think. That's yeah really, that's really it <laughs> And we do get Goldberg's music which the crowd goes mental to. We don't get to see Goldberg's famous walkout. his pyro goes off a bit early but but it's an imposter. it's a, it's a fake Goldberg not Goldberg Not Goldberg. <laughs> but a very uh, a shorter let's call him Dowie imposter. And he has, like, this toy belt that uh, Heenan describes as a piece of leather with three tuna cans, which is, <laughs> which is very funny. And they start having a real match straight away. And the crowd is pretty fucking hot for this. Is They're booing pissed. Jericho out of the arena. They are pissed, which, if I paid for the pay-per-view, I think I'd be so mad at Jericho. If I was, like, a kid or a teenager watching this and, and Bill wasn't on the card and this is where I thought he was going to be, I would be so pissed off. Jericho dominates the match early with just some easy holds and taunting and the fake Goldberg hits a spear which popped me so big I thought he was actually going to lose but Jericho just gets pissed off, smacks the guy around and uh, locks on the line tamer for the win and now Jericho is of course a double champion first in WCW history baby
1: I loved the, that's not true I don't think, but anyway um (laughs) I loved that the guy went to the trouble of, like, mimicking his tattoo and everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. so good.
1: Like, it's fairly close to spot on. And he's not quite a very, very short man. He's just, like, as short as possible without going into that, that mm-hmm. whole other section. And it's just, it's very, very funny. While I know you're saying it like, oh, this is getting him lots of heat. I think this is a massive waste of time on pay-per-view.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: agree. It should have been on TV.
0: <laughs> I think this is bad heat. I think it's a great... Any heat is good heat in the long term. I understand that. And is getting a lot of hate for this. And I think if there was, you know, a little bit of spoilers for people at home, I think if there was a good payoff for this, maybe we'd be thinking otherwise. But this is the most... Like, him and Austin are neck and neck the most red hot fucking acts in wrestling at this time and you choose to not have him on your card, but promise people he's going to be on your card, they're going to be fucking pissed. Imagine they did this with Austin for any of the cards. At the I point. mean, they didn't even promise he'd be on the card. <laughs> the VHS cover tells me otherwise,
1: yeah. Gus. <laughs> oh, that, that's a complete lie. Because, like, like, there's no mention of him being on the show at all. Like, Chris is the first
0: time he's like, oh, Goldberg's going to be here. And everyone's like, oh, deadly. That's even worse then. imagine buying buying yeah. it going, well, there's no Goldberg, but the rest is good. And getting promised Goldberg, holy shit. You'd be mad. Uh, may, may, maybe it does fall under the camp of any heat is good heat, but... It's just the wrong time to do it. Like, it, it, If it's on a Nitro or a
1: Thunder, it's fine. And it's a really good idea. And then at the pay-per-view, he should be getting absolutely destroyed by Goldberg. It's a very, very simple story. It's exactly what Chris wanted. He's told the story
0: very, very many times. And I don't know why they didn't do it. <laughs> they, they could have even had it short-lived and had him literally just come out and spear Jericho after the match. And the crowd would have loved it. And I don't... Yeah, it's it's one of wrestling's mysteries why, why Jericho just didn't get jobbed out to Goldberg in this run. And we, we're going to talk about that probably over the next couple episodes. We won't get too deep into it now because the gimmick isn't too long-lived now. But... I don't know, this goes from a very like frustrating but good segment to an excellent segment of Goldberg just appears out of nowhere and spears Jericho out of his boots, I think.
1: It's just them trying to be too smart, I guess, for their own good.
0: Or not paying attention, just letting Jericho do what he wants. Yeah. On to our next segment and into our third match after it, we get a little kind of recap of Ernest uh, Miller's goings-ons, I'll call them. Currently, where he uh, he interrupts the Armstrongs, who are finally getting some TV time, and say as much in the interview. The worst Armstrongs, as well. <laughs> the, worst yeah. arm, the, the ref Armstrong and the actual good wrestler Armstrong, in with no no character though. <laughs> yeah, no character at all. Very funny, as Gus pointed out. Heenan just in the background of this video because it's pre-recorded and commenting on it as well. He's just like peeking out of fucking window, <laughs> looking at the segment for no reason. Just accidentally in shot. This is like... I don't even know why the, the interview is taking place outside. It's just the most random. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and this is like a constant... They're like holding... Smiley and Miller are like held apart from fighting. But they don't really feud that much on TV, you were saying, because they, no. they're, they're not seeing much at all.
1: all. All you get is Miller comes out. They they reference that he's had like an attitude change. He Comes out. He beats up some random jobber. I can't remember who it is. And afterwards, he cuts promo and he's like... I'm sick and tired of putting up with these wrestlers. No wrestler can beat me. I'm a karate master and that nobody's man enough to wrestle, to fight me. I'm legit and they're not, basically. And he calls out like the entire locker room. Nobody responds. So he just keeps beating up jobbers. And then Smiley just happens to be nearby uh, I guess, like, and stands up to him. I had no clue of any of Norman Smiley's background. None whatsoever because they never talk about him so I didn't know he was, like, a legit wrestler.
0: Miller's so weird. Like, we've talked about him a bit before and, like, that he has some potential. But legitimate badass. Like, legitimately would not want to fight this dude out of anyone on this roster. Could actually kill me. But has turned it into, like, a weird gimmick. It's
3: definitely more entertaining from what we've seen from him in the past.
1: Yeah, like, I don't mind the idea of it. It's just, I don't know, it just doesn't... He doesn't have a great personality. Like, it's not, like... Like, Blackman ended up in in a similar fashion. Like, Blackman got over because he became, like, the deadpan guy (laughs) with somebody else doing comedy to him. Like he And he's also a complete monster in real life. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, like, I think he's just... Miller is just kind of not quite there. He's not quite menacing enough and he's not quite humorous enough to pull off anything. So he's just this weird shouty man, like, going, I'm the best. I'm, like, it's... Create your own wrestler starter gimmick. Sure, uh, I,
3: I think part of it too is it's kind of like what Glacier. Like the problem with that whole gimmick as well is you have too much dependence on the karate in your like your wrestling move set. Because yeah. at least Steve Blackman had like the hardcore element with the the sticks and the yeah. the yeah. canes. And
1: we've also had like four or five months of him like being called the cat, and he's kind of like dancing around and stuff. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, he's legit. Okay.
0: You know who actually incorporated this stuff really well before is... Uh, I think I've said this before when are discussing it. Rob Van Damme does it where it's like one or two kind of... Yeah, kind of yeah, kicks. One or two karate kung fu-esque kicks. And the rest is just normal wrestling. Like, not everything you need to do needs to be a karate move. Just because it's your gimmick. It just needs to be sprinkled in and then you need to just do everything as well as anyone else does.
3: Right. And even like the poses and things like that. You know, the... Yeah. Don't need to do that. You don't need to be (laughs) X Pac. Only X Pac can do that. Like, Wrestling Smiley (laughs) is doing
1: him no favors here because it's like Smiley's a nobody, essentially.
3: I never understood why Norman Smiley had a job. He's really
0: good. He's,
3: yeah, he's a good hand, but as a kid, I'm like, I don't care about this guy. It's just kind of like Fit Finley for me. Like, they're good teachers. Yeah, like post wrestling, but Finley yeah, has
1: way more to him than this as well. Sure,
3: <laughs> but I'm just saying, like as a kid, like watching oh, yeah, these yeah. guys, Absolutely, like, yeah. how I do we like, like, why would I buy these guys' t-shirts? Like, it's nah, terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just leave them off pay per view. Put them on
0: TV as your lower card
3: guys. Fine. Yeah,
0: I, I think Finley is the perfect example of why he's kept around. Companies like Smiley's kept around, even when they fail to get over, even when their matches aren't doing much for other people. They're just so well respected as wrestlers backstage. And we'll, we'll talk about the match here a little bit as well, because after this segment, we go into the match between uh, two of them. Smiley is just surprisingly solid at wrestling. He, I think he still works for the Performance Center. There's, like, small things he does, and they're just so smooth and crisp. So I don't know if he was doing power plant work at this stage, or, like, they just liked having him backstage. Uh, but, probably, probably not. He's fairly young, Dave.
1: He's literally no character like his... Just random dork who's defending the Armstrongs' oh. honor.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, like, he was wrestling cool. since eighty five.
1: Wow, he, he's older than I think he is. Then
0: apparently. so he's he's fifty seven now. Uh, he was wrestling since 1985. He's he was uh, brought in by he was trained by the Milankos. Oh, he had a much cooler original name, Black Magic. Ooh, that is a good name. That is. Fun.
1: I bet he had loads of personality as well, and there is none of it on display in this match.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks. Oh, he's he's English.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's English. Edge,
0: yeah. not okay. Know I think that's oh, a part I was- of it. I,
1: the,
3: <laughs> the the name is so lame. Yeah, it's so lame. same thing with Fifth Finley. I think that's
0: part of it too. I'm like, come on, what lady. a lame name, yeah. Oh my god, he was trained by Carl Gotch. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's a, that's what I was saying. Like he's a legit wrestler. Like yeah, that's I mean. like the tenuous link they've managed to get into this match where it's like he's been giving out about wrestlers and Smiley's a legit style wrestler, but.
0: If I was trained by Carl Gotch, I'd just be saying continuously how I was trained by Carl Gotch. This is essentially a prolonged squash. Norman gets a yep. nice offense in with a... I like his leg drop into the rollback and stuff like that and some smooth wrestling. I don't know what to call Ernest's finisher. He fucking botches it every time he the does it. F- like the feline liner Yeah, the that he. It's like a springboard top rope spinning kick where he jumps backwards and then has to jump forward again to get the kick motion. I don't know how he is not broken his leg doing it, is all I'm going to say. It looks horrible.
1: <laughs> but yeah, dud. We'll give this one a dud. An- another, uh, another match that should have been on TV.
0: Yeah, crowd do not care. Nope. <laughs> at all. So we go on to the fourth match of the night, and it's the blood rivalry that's been going on for five months at this stage, since February, so five, six months. Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner. Brother versus brother. Former tag team uh, champions in a blood feud. And also Buff Bagwell's there. In his overalls, I'm sorry. Oh,
1: he looked I amazing. Oh, I
0: love his overalls. Like, no, you yeah, like the overalls? So, yeah,
1: no. it's such a classic look. Like He's such such an, a dickhead in them.
0: <laughs> he, look, he looks like Jamiroquai a buff jamerqua in this. It's so good. What? Yeah. <laughs> that is not what I would have gone for, but no, sure. <laughs> no. Yeah. The, the, big hat, the big half the <laughs>
2: uh,
0: He looks glorious. Did you notice uh, Rick Steiner's rip-off music? Oh yeah, it's welcome to the jungle. It's welcome <laughs> yeah. to the jungle Oh yeah. <laughs> not even trying to hide it a little bit.
3: Well, yeah before we get in the match too, they they do a nice little promo package to you know recap yeah. the whole feud. Hey, you know, WCW can actually do this. If, but... Yeah, if they try, or if right. there's a feud
1: that has enough
0: to it.
3: It wasn't like amazing. It was just kind of a few clips like put together. It wasn't any like creative editing or anything. But hey, it gets me ready for to watch the match.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, they do this a couple times in this show. Uh, a bit of an improvement. Some of them are a little roughly cut, but yeah, this is. Oh, decent. I
3: can I can cut it up in ten minutes. <laughs> the, way, the way they do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally just uh, jumping across uh, Nitro sometimes. So the start of this match is actually pretty good, right? Awesome. It's actually pretty fucking great. It's exactly what I wanted to see since the second fucking Scott hit Rick. They are just hossing the crap out of each other. When uh, Scott goes for the clothesline and Rick ducks and hits one of his own, I thought he murdered his brother. I thought the (laughs) man was dead. (laughs) Unluckily for us, that lasts all of a minute. yeah, Yeah, Something like that. And then Rick throws Buff against the uh, turnbuckle. He gets him by the scruff of his neck. So you already you know something weird's going on. He holds him very weird. And throws him against the turnbuckle. And they stop to bring out the stretcher. Because Buff treats it as if his neck was broken again. I'm never sure how to feel about these segments. They try and make them look as real as possible, right? And Buff did have a legitimate neck injury. That makes it way worse. Yeah, it makes it way worse. It makes it feel real for a couple seconds. Rick completely shatters the illusion by saying, You better not be lying to me. I'm like, Yep, that's what you'd say to a real wrestler that's just rebroken his neck, Rick. Yeah. But this segment takes way too long. So we get about a minute of wrestling. The match is called off. They got a bunch of EMTs out. They have Scott acting actually very concerned. They have Rick for a while acting really concerned. They're not trying to attack each other or badmouth each other at all, standing there. They bring him to
1: the. To be fair, Scott does a really, like, really good setup where he notices bagwell goes down yeah and he stops wrestling and he it looks real clear like he kind of loses character and rick goes to like continue and he's like get away from me like look what's going on we can't we can't do anything right now and you're like oh and then, like, it takes maybe 20 seconds for the crowd to be like, this is bullshit. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're already, like, have already given up on it being, like, a real thing that's happening. And it's, it just gets, goes downhill so fast.
0: But they, they take him all the way to the back. And Rick follows, which is already kind of weird, which wouldn't obviously happen in our life. And takes him all the way to the back he's like oh okay be like get better like if this isn't fake this isn't fake they load him yeah. into the ambulance and,
3: and the commentary don't help they say oh then the sorry folks the next match isn't ready to go oh come on
1: really yeah
0: but this, let's again, follow the, <laughs> let's follow the gurney all the way to the, way the, the ambulance. ambulance yeah like you would do yeah and this is all fine it doesn't matter that they're well it does matter the match is going to be very good but it's it's fine as in it doesn't matter if it looks a little fake. I get what they're trying to do. I thought they'd like do again, evidence that he wasn't really hurt the next pay-per-view. But they just have Rick and Scott pop out of the back of the ambulance, or, sorry, Scott and Buff pop out of the back of the ambulance and attack Rick for all of two seconds before being pulled apart. Was it worth all that <laughs> for two punches to the back of Rick's head? It's so weird. It's so weird that it's funny, I think. But if I, again, paid for this pay-per-view and the matches went in order of Goldberg no-show, Ernest Miller, seven minutes of Buff Bagwell and a stretcher, I'd be tearing my hair out. I would be trying to get my money back.
3: Kind of on a bigger picture scale, what bugs me is this is kind of like what the NWO does all the time, and it's this is kind of what pissed me off the most is... It kind of feels like the group is just they're out to make fools of the audience. Yeah. With all these swerves.
0: Yeah, I think that's a perfect explanation. I had a I watched a lot of wrestling in the like McMahon Helmsley era when like Hunter had the title for like a year. And while like I'd argue he's a very good heel, I got very sick of the amount of times he ducked people. And it was all in the kind of guise of, well, when someone does beat him for the title, it's very satisfying, right? Like you're supposed to be aggravated at these people until they get their comeuppance, but they seem to never get their comeuppance. Or when they do, the next night are reversed. You know what I mean? They they either get their heat back or they cancel the match, or they said they didn't care about it. Like I think Goldberg might be the only one to get like a long term comeuppance on the NWO, and he barely cared about them. <laughs> like it's like he they were beneath him. So I, I'd be very frustrated. I think watching this, like the good guys never get to have their one up.
3: Yeah, they, it seems like they never get to have their fun either. I think part yeah. of like what made the Austin McMahon feud so enjoyable is there was times where, for example, Austin would be the CEO of the company. It's something that it it was hilarious, but in story, it made it was a great time for the audience to enjoy. Oh, this is a victory for us. We get to see Austin on top, humiliating Vince McMahon, and that's like for his character. That's like the ultimate like. Embarrassment that my mortal enemy is doing, like controlling my company.
1: Yeah, I'm, I think I'm a bit further along than you guys. I was disgusted by this. <laughs> this is just horrible. Like, they used a legitimate thing that was very serious. Like, he might not have wrestled again because of the injury. Right. I know you're going for, with this like, too,
3: but like, I don't know. Wrestling does this all the time. It's kind of the same thing with the alcohol thing that we'll talk about. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. No, that's, that's so just as bad. bad.
1: <laughs> but I think what is so. Poor about it is like it was for something so useless, yeah, yeah, and wasteful. And they brought his mother into it as well. Again, I forgot that. Yeah, they reference his mother, and it's just again, it shouldn't be on pay per view. And like if I if I didn't have to watch the whole show because we're going over it, I would have just stopped watching. Like it's yeah, it was that bad. Like um, legitimately, like what Dave said, I totally agree. If I paid for that, I'd be looking for a refund at that stage. We're like an hour into the pay per view. Nothing good has happened. Uh, we've just been insulted to repeatedly. It just it just made me so mad. Like that, I had to watch. Like, I if they just had the run in like after two to five minutes, that's probably still too long. But at least okay, we can move on. It wasn't too long, but it was fifteen minutes. They did nothing for fifteen minutes for that payoff. Just to be like, ha ha ha! We got the one over on stupid Rick again. He never gets to get his comeuppance because we're the NWO. It's just, oh, it's just so angry, and it's just so like, I can't believe you're using this real life thing in such a lame way. And I think it makes me more mad because they had a legitimate way to bring him in as a babyface, and they just threw it away really quickly.
0: You know what else is kind of weird about it? And I, I know I shouldn't nitpick at this stuff. You have to like suspend your disbelief. But the stipulation was, if you don't wrestle your brother, you get fired, right? Yeah, yeah. He proved that he purposely didn't wrestle his brother. Like, the end of it, again, isn't like, he's carded off, we do this whole fake thing again, where Rick outsmarts them by proving that this was fake, and finally gets Scott to himself. You know, gets buffed, banned from ringside, or kicked out of the company, or something like that. That's not the end of this. This is just... Oh, we got it. Like, we bent the rules slightly. You know, there was not actually any ramifications for us because our bosses are idiots and our opponents are idiots. And we were able to outsmart them with childhood shenanigans. You know, it's just.
1: I mean, if JJ remembers this, they'll say, well, we did wrestle. Yeah. So nothing bad will come with Steiner.
0: It's bad. You know, I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't be as fired up if the first minute of this match wasn't glorious as well. These guys yeah. can have, have a great feud and they're just refusing to. I heard there was some kayfabe stuff where they actually don't want to have a match, like a real match. You mean shoot? I'm sorry, shoot. Yeah, I heard some shoot stuff where they don't really want to have a full match. I don't know if that's true. That was just something one or two people said. I don't think that was ever confirmed. But that would make sense with the huge fucking drawn out feud they're having where there's no matches. So
1: Just don't have the feud then, lads.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's, yeah, I guess, There's got
1: to be a way to do it that you don't have to have a feud. Well, I don't to, to enjoy, enjoy it
0: for is. another month. Yeah, I, I hope they get a real match because they're obviously both actually great wrestlers. I don't think they do. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Perfect. Think they do. They're both obviously great wrestlers. Either of them as a singles guy isn't bad. I think Rick has a bit of a ceiling because he can't really talk. Unfortunately, that's shown a couple times for this feud. But Rick as a TV champion or a US champion makes a ton of sense, and he's pretty over. and can have some pretty good stylistic matches with people. I just, I would like to see this stop now. Uh, as funny as Scott has been at points, I, I'm sick of it. On to the next match, and maybe the first actual wrestling match of the night. We have our Cruiserweight Championship match. Usually the open shows, right? Smack dab in the middle here. Juventud Guerrero versus Silver King. I think this is the second, second or third appearance of Silver King on the podcast. He's not very notable in. Um, in WCW, he makes a handful of uh, pay-per-view appearances. I want to say six, uh, maybe a little less. He is more well-known as, is a Tiger King, I think, is later in his career. I want to see if it's Tiger King or Black Tiger. I can't remember. Yeah, no, it's Black Tiger Tree. Uh, Black Tiger Tree later on in his career in the early 2000s. He's also Dr. Wagner. I actually didn't know that as well. That was uh, him as well. And as the the bad guy and Nacho Libre, which I think I pointed out the first time we saw him as well. The podcast has made me a bit of a secret fan of uh, Silver King. Hadn't really seen his work before this, but I think this match also shows. He's a pretty great hand. And uh, this is our first Hoove to championship match away from like the Jericho feud, which he's kind of been embroiled in for a while with the mask versus mask and then finally getting uh, the championship with some help from Dean. Last pay-per-view, I think we covered that.
3: Do you find it a little weird that Silver King is in a cruiserweight match?
0: He's a big dude, right? They they try and cover that on on a commentary like, I call he's right at the edge of the way. I'm like, if he's at the edge of the way, I'm in the way. The guy's big.
3: <laughs> he's he's just like wide. I kind of like think of him as like kind of like Taz. He's just yeah, like yeah. he's just
0: big. Have like, you seen Nacho Libre? I have not
3: for some reason. I do like Jack Black, so I'm surprised I have not haven't seen it. It's so a very just...
0: quirky movie. I enjoy it, but it is certainly quirky. Also from a more more modern standpoint, Jack Black is playing a Mexican person, which isn't mm. amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's a funny little movie, and the match him and Jack have at the end is actually quite entertaining. I think, but he is compared to Jack, he is massive. Yeah. Like it kind of shows, like you forget how big wrestlers are because Hoovy looks small, but Hoovy is just like a normal sized human being. It's it's the other guys that are just making Hoovy look tiny. Like I think Chris Jericho is one of the best examples of this. A guy that's maybe taught as traditionally a little small to be like a heavyweight champion. Chris is a lot bigger than an average human. Like Hoovy is uh five five. That's is like he that, is he that short? That's what it says in his billing. Uh, um, okay. So it might make uh Silver King look a bit bigger, but Silver King isn't small. What's well, Silver King? That's a look what he's built at. He's five nine. Man, I'm like, taller a, than Hoovy. That that
3: that just doesn't seem
0: right. He's he's taller than again an average human. Like it's five seven, five eight is an average guy. You know. Yeah.
3: So, uh, did you catch the chant that the uh, frat
0: boys I, were saying in the front row? What would I know? I didn't. What was this? Taco Bell. They were screaming. Oh my god. They're yeah. they're pretty bad with that. There's a segment later. The Scott Scott Conan segment. And Conan as an insult's called a jumping bean a lot of the time. That's that's not going to fly yeah. anymore. That's well, yeah,
3: not... and the only reason why we we pick this up is the wrestlers are on the outside, so then the the you know the ringside camera picks picks it up. So it's not like a huge shan or anything, but you can tell like, the three or four guys. Oh, toggle bell, toggle. Bell. <laughs> oh boy, I don't I ca- miss you, late nineties, early two thousands.
0: Yeah. so uh, it, Sometimes watching this, you forget what area you're in until something like that is said, and it kind of snaps you back. Exactly. It snaps you back pretty hard. Or anytime, you know, a female wrestler is put on screen, right. unfortunately. Well, there's no female wrestlers in WCW, so we don't have to worry it, about that. Even one. better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I loved this match actually. Lovely flowing lucha kind of match. Silver King uh looking great. There's a springboard run. Like if you if this match was played in a modern indie show, I don't think it would be out of place. Like a springboard Rana uh, by Guerrera. That's like picture perfect. Pop up drop kick. Like I thought pop up power bombs, pop up slams are something new, but this pop up drop kick by Silver King is great. And the tilt the world backbreaker along with Brett's rope Palancha looking like perfect. Again, from a bit of a bigger guy. The spot of the match uh, I thought was uh, Silver King missing a splash in the corner, ended up standing on Brett's rope and this lets Hoovy hit a second row poison rana for a two count
3: it was beautiful
0: yeah silver king gets like this perfect backflip off it maybe yeah, looking
2: a bit very, unrealistic. very
0: well executed cuz that move sometimes uh, that that that's the type of move
3: that usually gets botched it's, it's kind of like they's not say, like a salt or what what move
0: like always gets botched like sure, star press
3: <laughs> yeah yeah that, that that's that's
0: a good one so this is really interesting not to get too overly nerdy about wrestling but he basically does a self moonsault right to sell it and it looks good but what a lot of modern wrestlers do and it's big in japan is you you cover your head with your elbows and you land kind of on your elbows like the forearms instead of your neck now obviously this can be dangerous if you land hard you're just landing on your neck but it makes it look like they land on their head but what they've kind of done is like a handstand on their elbows such forearms, way less safe but looks very cool where this is just, like, really typical Lucha Libre. It's actually just a flip with some, you know, razzle-dazzle thrown over the top. Silver King misses a springboard moonsault from the top rope. Guerrero then hits a hoovey driver and a 450 for a three count, retaining the title in what was a pretty decent, kind of short cruiserweight title match in the middle of the card. Connor, what did you think of this?
3: Really nothing offensive on, on this match. Just perfectly fine. Uh, I don't know if I would say Silver King is like the best at playing kind of like the dominating heel type thing. No, Uh, but that's a small nitpick. Uh, I will say the perfect slow mo replay of the 450, really well done. I thought, I thought, I thought it was one of Hoovy's better 450s. I know he usually like lands on like his knees, but this was
0: pretty well done. Interestingly enough, Hoovy's known for, um, I think we've discussed this before, not taking care of his opponents. Not in a malice way, but he kind of just throws himself around and doesn't really care if he lands on people. So it seems sometimes people who are accepting of Huvy's style and know they're just going to get beat up a little bit. It looks better, and it looks like Silver King was a little bit that. Like when he hits his four fifty, he doesn't try and like pad it at all. Like his chest is just bam hitting you like as hard as he can, you know. And that was the the case here, I think. But decent, and I. Uh, I'll give props to Silver King. I think he made Hoovy look really good in some of his offense. Uh, I was talking to you a bit about this, Gus. I think during the week you're saying Silver King not as impressive in some of his Nitro uh, showings. Well, he was only on one show before this.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. <laughs> he 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 literally gets a, a title match out of nowhere, and uh, he uses a chair, so he gets DQ'd, and I guess they just run it back here. That's kind That's of it. Fair. Like he's, he's barely on the show. Um, I like I. Completely weird, Connor. It's, it's just inoffensive, this match. I uh, I don't think there's anything particularly memorable outside of that Frankenstein or, or Poison Rana, whatever it's called.
0: Yeah, Poison Rana was certainly the spot of the night.
1: I mean, he should have won with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, commentary yeah. says much. Like, can't believe that wasn't Yeah, t- t- like, t- okay. Uh, H- Hogan's finishing people with leg drops and that's getting twos? Come on. But uh, yeah, it's, I
1: mean, it's the, easily the best thing we've seen so far, which is not saying much.
2: Yeah.
0: Onto our next segment, Scott Hall interrupts Conan and Tony the Tiger in the internet position and throws a drink into Conan's face, calling him a little jumping bean. This is a glimpse we get, uh, I think the first glimpse we get uh, on the podcast of drunk Scott Hall, as in purposely acting drunk for a gimmick. And you've probably had to see a decent amount of this on the, uh, on the Nitros, Gus. Nope, he hasn't been on
1: Nitros, so uh, <laughs> he, he showed back up maybe a week ago so a little a tiny bit of this but not much
0: this is uh grim i don't know who this is for i don't know who it's supposed to entertain i don't know if it's supposed to be funny or addressing like a serious issue but yeah it's grim is the only term i can think of here we get another video recap this time of saturn versus the flock and this never-ending feud has had a couple more twists and turns Without going super deep into it, because it's been going on so long, Canyon has rejoined with Raven. Lodi challenged Saturn to a match, where if Saturn loses, he becomes Lodi's slave for a month. Uh, As Servant. Servant, apologies. Indentured servitude is something Raven likes to say a lot as well. Yeah, Yeah,
3: Penzer says subservient.
0: Oh, no. Can't be. Excellent. Mm. So... That actually happens to Saturn and it becomes this kind of feud about Saturn's pride and okay, world he's like, as a
1: man. I'm just like, <laughs> you can see it coming a mile away. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll just wrestle you. You're like, dude, you're wrestling the flock. Like when has there ever been a regular match in its entirety of existence? And you just expect to win. No problem. It gets attacked by about four different people. So that load, you can win.
0: So Saturn has to go through the rigmarole of being like the servant for a month. He's not allowed to hit Canyon or Raven, even though they're allowed to hit him. It, so uh, it just changes. So it's like
1: they tell Lodi to tell him that he's only allowed to do something. Yeah. So it'll be like Perry, you have to wrestle this match with one hand tied behind your back, that kind of thing. And he just has to follow it.
0: Yeah. The the I guess the highlight or one of the more uh, visceral moments is when they command Perry to break. Uh, is it Sick Boy's fingers? Oh, no, it's uh, uh, Riggs, I think. It's Riggs's fingers. Uh, and if he won't do it, then he has to let them break his. And Perry, you know, true to his word, he's being the honorable man, lets them break his fingers. But then when Lodi isn't there to give him instructions, he gets to attack Canyon because he's he, no one can tell right. him not to. And he gets to break Canyon's fingers in some better moments. Like Watching it a bit, it is a bit overblown because this has been months and months and months of a feud. But this is just kind of what this feud should have been from the start. Saturn versus the Flock. Saturn's mission is now, if he wins, he wants to free the Flock from Raven. He thinks they're all like brainwashed by him, and he wants them to disband the Flock. Uh, and they're trying to stop that and prove that Saturn isn't a man of pride, or doesn't have more pride than uh, Canyon and Raven. Any
1: guesses on on the reason for Canyon joining the Flock? Was it just Raven was nice to him? Uh, there's no reason. Uh, <laughs> he just turns up and helps out Raven, and they're like, "Oh, he must be part of the flock now." And then he changes his wrestling gear and whole personality. They they say that Raven is a master manipulator, and he just got through to him or something. But there's wow. literally no like inciting incident where
0: he becomes enamored with it or whatever.
3: Doesn't really work with Canyon too. He doesn't look like the kind of guy that would be easily manipulated.
0: No, he's been super, they're trying to make him be super charismatic and like out there so far, right? Mm. Like he later on, he does obviously the mini DDP gimmick, but he is essentially trying to do a bit of a DDP gimmick, a people's champion gimmick to an extent. And then to have him just turn back into a flock member, doesn't make much sense, but it feels like someone literally that hadn't done anything with this feud came in and went, guys, this is enough bollocks. It's Saturn versus the other guys, cut everything the fuck out. Like we're just going to like have the baby face win and bike up the bad stable. That's it. That's all you need. Like it's like someone cut to the core of what a proper feud should be all of a sudden with all this weirdness going on.
1: Yeah. I just wish we hadn't had to go through four months to get here. Uh, Yep.
0: Has um, it only been four? It feels like nine. It hasn't
1: been since I was born. No. (laughs) I mean, it's probably longer, but I mean in total, he probably could have got two months worth of stuff out of this, I, I guess. Yeah.
0: A surprise stipulation thrown into the match. Canyon is to be handcuffed to the ring. Sure. I don't yeah. know why he isn't just <laughs> <band. laughs> that was my, little, my literal line I have in my notes. Yeah. Canyon
3: being handcuffed.
1: Sure.
0: Sure, okay. sure. why not? Yeah. Did yeah. you hear what Canyon says as he's brought to the ring? Mm-mm. I can't remember. He says, I'm not an animal. I'm not the yeah. elephant man. As they're trying to... <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, I do remember that. Yes. <sighs> Uh. Just a random shot at the elephant man. I guess. Yeah, see, I, I was
3: I was more uh, taken back with Penzer's words. He had to describe the whole whole thing. Yeah, and and, and honestly, the the stakes of Raven, uh, you know, Saturn must be his slave to Raven for the rest of his career. The rest I'm like, of his
1: career, on. you're like,
0: okay, yeah,
1: really? I bet he's gonna win. I uh, yeah. bet. Yeah. He's I
0: wonder I <laughs> he's gonna win. <laughs> like, also, the way, again, Raven in ECW, very elegant promo. Sometimes a bit over the top, but had some very interesting promos. What he says before the match here doesn't even make sense.
2: Being wrong. Saturn, you've been an embarrassment for far too long. And tonight begins the beginning of your permanent indentured servitude. Quote the Raven, nevermore.
0: He very well could be right, and I'm sure he had some sort of a plan involving Canyon, but thank goodness for the, the handcuffs. This is all about honor, and you have none. Well, not many men have it compared to what... It doesn't matter tonight if I win or lose, because I know I'll still keep my integrity. How about that? After this match begins, the beginning of your indentured servitude. I mean, you just wanted to use the term indentured <laughs> servitude. The be- begins the beginning isn't a sentence; it just begins or it doesn't, Raven. <laughs> sounds like the Smash and Pumpkins song. <laughs> it does. <laughs> like one of his poems. What was his book called? Uh, a Blinking Fists or something like that. It was uh, Corey? Is it Corey Taylor? No, no, no. What's the Cortez said not? Billy Corgan? Billy Corgan. <laughs> Billy Corrigan's uh, poetry book is called like Blinking Fists or something like that. Yeah, and then Saturn tries to cut a promo back and it's somehow just as bad. Oh, his match his is about pride. Is so he tries wow. and you have pen ten like, second
1: pause. They somebody needed to tell him like that his to wear different gear, he just looks so stupid. The bandana. he looks like uh, the third Steiner brother. Sorta, of, yeah. yeah, or yeah. he's just some dorky biker, but there's nothing to do with being a biker. A crowd member at
0: Sturgis, yeah, it, it's weird. I, I'm liking; he's improved. I think his moves have become a little less erratic. I love him with the shaved head. I know that's just how I know him most of his career, but his hair did not look great. His actual ring gear when he takes off all the crap, the leather jacket, the fucking, yeah, it's fine, the Madonna, yeah. good. Yeah, he just looks good in that simple ring gear. This match itself is uh, is fine at the start. Unfortunately, we've just seen these guys wrestle so much. It's just a lot of their same kind of stuff. Uh, it doesn't get different until Raven does a. I have to, uh, have a word as a weird, sexy straddle pin. <laughs> he just straddles Saturn for a pin, and it just pins him to the ground. And it's kind of gross, and I kind of hate it. And then he thrusts him in the ball. It, it's the yeah. most awkward moment that you can I, imagine. like. Is he trying to do a dust thing and do you know question your sexuality? It looks... Mind games!
1: Yeah, it looks <laughs> kind of rapey. I'm not a fan of it. I guess it doesn't work so well because he doesn't shout, mind games, when he does it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, horse and Sick Boy quickly bring a table to ringside. Meanwhile, Kidman goes up top to give a seven-year uh, year itch. But instead, Missile Drop kicks Raven! Go, Kidman!
1: Just in case you hadn't a clue that he was the one turning, he's like spotlessly clean <laughs> for yeah, the yeah. first time. He stopped itching apparently during the
0: nitros as well.
1: we uh, were saying very rarely on nitro. He's he's not really with the group all that much, and then yeah, yeah, when he does show up, there is one situation where they're talking about beating up. Oh, it's beating up Lodi actually because they break his fingers first. That's where the breaking fingering starts to happen all those fingers seem to heal pretty fast uh, yeah because uh, Lodi like genuinely thinks to show that Raven is so in their heads Lodi genuinely thinks that Saturn broke his fingers and it's like no <laughs> it's like Raven did that but Billy like refuse, like genuinely refuses he doesn't want to do it and he gets beaten up for standing up to Raven so that good they good have car- built to that that's not out of the blue
0: good, good character progression and certainly my the only relevant member of the flock he turns on hey, the fucking sick boys, alright. Eh? Uh, is he? Is he? <laughs> Lodi's signs are fine as the second best member of the of the flock. His actual signs, uh, the flock chase Billy Kidman back uh, backstage. Uh, DVD by Saturn, but Lodi distracts the ref and uh, lets her even kick out. All the suplexes by Saturn the matches are really firing up, and he's on all cylinders here. Springboard lead dro- uh, leg drop from Brett's rope and a series of two counts after a couple different moves, including a missionoku driver, which commentary calls a Saturn driver. Links of Saturn are locked in, but Lodi breaks up again, this time getting crotched on the top rope. Ref bump for no real reason, except to let Canyon get the keys to his cuff, which were conveniently in the ref's pocket. Uh, Flatliner onto Saturn, and Raven gets rolled on top of Saturn, For some reason, Canyon cuffs himself again in case the ref sees him uncuffed, which is comedy gold to me. Like, might as well be pointing at his head while he's doing it, you know, so (laughs) smart. Lobo to Raven. Uh, Lodi, who's been on the top rope the entire time, nursing his balls, gets DVD'd through the table on the outside, which is an incredible spot. Even throw to Saturn when he gets back in the ring, but kicks out at two. Another even flow attempt is reversed into a DVD for a quick win following a hectic, kind of awesome ending to this match, and uh hopefully to this fucking feud.
3: It's done. Mm. Yeah finally over. The ring has been put into the mountain.
0: Of- <laughs> <laughs> I think awesome ending to this match, I think finally we get to see both of them wrestle a style match that's good without a third person. The run-ins are there, but are actually exciting and relevant. And it has a punctuation. It has a stop. Like, it has a meaning. It has an ends. I think this is great. I think actually looking at the rest of the card, and maybe this is me getting kind of Stockholm syndrome because the rest of the card is so bad. An actually well-built-up match that, like, had a, a meaning Again, maybe I'm just starved of good wrestling. What, what do you guys think of this match? They stuck the landing.
1: It just took so fucking long to get there. And a lot of it was boring and repetitive. But that, genuinely, the end of it is very, very good. Perry's excellent in this. And he deservedly gets lots of heat for it. Yeah, it's probably... I think it's the best match on the card. Spoilers. But it it, it works because it pays off lots of, lots of different things and... I hope they move on. I hope that there's they just don't interact with each other now for a while. Uh, I don't know. I assume tomorrow on Nitro they'll be have a rematch or something. <laughs> <laughs> Canyons turned again somehow. Oh, uh, and yeah, the, the ref bump just uh, bothered me so much. I'm just like, it's a Ravens rules match. There's no rules, but still got to have a ref bump. It's one of my pet peeves in wrestling. You're just like this is just such lazy work being put together by the wrestlers. Because they've decided to put that in. That's how they the only way they can think of to get to this spot. And you're like, You don't I
0: just, need this. <laughs> I just love Canyon handcuffing himself, then realising Raven's losing and trying to panic, get back into the ring. He's just like almost bumping to get out of the, the fucking handcuffs again. the look on his face is actually really good. It's stupid and there's no reason for him to obviously handcuff himself again. But like him being like panicked because Raven's losing the match is a very funny moment.
3: Yeah, I I thought the execution and the timing was pretty solid. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that's kind of missing with this feud. Table spot was really sweet. Uh, Thirteen year old me would have been in love with this match, particularly (laughs) the table spot. So I I didn't think we would get Saturn chance on the podcast. And so if if that's what this match accomplished, like it's ten out of ten, it did it did what it needed to do. I I I enjoyed this. Uh, You know, the beginning was really boring, but until the interference happened, it kicked into overdrive and we don't usually get to see the typical kick out of finishers in WCW. So that was a little odd to see, but that felt more like current day pay-per-view type mm, stuff. So mm. I I guess I was okay with it. You know, it got the right reactions, So it, 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 was definitely effective.
0: I think for a while, and I, I've alluded to this, that the flock is remembered fondly. And I think too fondly. I think most of the members are pretty useless, unfortunately, and don't really get a chance to shine, but they were trying to like, recreate the storylines from ECW and kind of neaten them up for a family
2: audience.
3: I I wonder if it was part nostalgia from ECW and also just because the flock was involved with the iconic moment of Goldberg winning the U S title.
0: Yeah. I, I think Raven keeps a huge amount of goodwill from his good ECW run and doesn't do much in both WWE and WCW, but I think this is the closest either company gets to replicating one of the big ECW storylines on a big stage. And what I mean by that is when ECW does good things, obviously they also do terrible things and had awful storylines, but they had kind of overbooked messes for finishes as well. But usually it was a means to an end. It was to get an end to a story or get a big moment or get, you know, someone turns, there's a big pop, there's a progression to a storyline. And the NWO currently is doing the exact reverse to that and we're complaining about it. It's just prolonging stuff for the sake of swerves and fooling the audience and thinking that's that that's what they want, just because overbooking can be fun sometimes. But it's not, and it's getting tiring. And take it from three guys that are watching it, you know, every week, it's fucking awful. But this is this is doing it. This is, you know, overbooked, nonsense, fun, but it's to get a baby face a massive reaction. And they did the same with Tommy Dreamer in ECW, you know, all these, like, screwy finishes and multiple run-ins and kick-outs of finishers. They were to ultimately, you know, either keep lots of heat on Raven or get a big reaction to win for Tommy. And, uh, you know, this is this is kind of replicating that. This is making, you know, Saturn a bigger star. And when he came in, giving a really good reaction, giving a spin-off storyline for Billy, all done in one night, and more than the NWO has done in nine months, I think.
1: I mean, uh, you're, you're about to get an example of how not to do it immediately afterwards. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, very good news after this match. Announcers say that Jim Duggan, uh, you know, they have an update on his health scare, mm. which he had on the nitros. They removed a football sized tumor from around, I think, his kidney. Comedy, yeah. comedy team, give him compliments and a ho. Jim Duggan is in- <laughs> indestructible, still alive and kicking today, as far as I know.
1: He is, yeah. Uh, yeah, they do this like they show a clip from it's a Saturday Saturday Night taping, and Duggan comes out and cuts this really really emotional promo. They they realized I had a tumor, so going in to get surgery. Everyone's like, "What?" Wow. <laughs> it's totally out of nowhere, completely weird, very emotional. Like he he starts crying and everything, and he's just like, "Make sure to say always tell people you love them." And it's cool to know he it didn't that wasn't the
0: end of it <laughs> so yeah nice to mention on air and jim as much as we make uh or as least as i make fun of him staple in uh american wrestling so uh n- nice to hear he survived such a such a health scare anyway after this we had another video package highlights of the malenko hennig cage match uh and the return of Arn anderson in ring because why don't you tell us what's happening with like the malenko horseman kind of saga
1: yeah, so Steve uh, Mongo has been petitioning Aaron and then Dean uh, as well. It's a follow-on from the last kind of bits we've seen where like Aaron kind of helps Dean a little bit and on when he's wrestling Jericho that time. And then they've been going back and forth. Iron doesn't think they have the heart. He wishes he could wrestle. He cuts loads of awesome promos <laughs> where like they do a close-up of the back of his neck at one point to really show how severe his surgeries were he just doesn't think it's worth it Uh, they keep they keep at him and then as it goes along kurt starts inserting himself into it because he's like i I killed the horseman and i'm not letting it come back and he gets to use the i shut the door on the horseman line which was quite nice iron finally gets the fire back basically there's this awesome awesome promo where jj dylan comes out And uh, appeals to Arn himself directly, and they show Arn's first promo when he's coming to uh, Minneapolis, I think it was, or no, he's coming down to Florida wrestling, and he's coming from Minneapolis, and it's Arn standing like on a beachfront, wearing like the randomest gear, and he has like a Yankees cap on and stuff. And he's just this arrogant young child, basically. <laughs> and they show that that's his first promo. And he, like he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, because you're still that person. And when you came in, there were people who came and, and shepherded you along your way. Now it's your turn to do like the right thing for other people kind of thing. And Aaron gets really upset with JJ and he goes off. But then they decide that they're going to have a match on Nitro or Thunder. They have a cage match because they can't have a cage match on the pay-per-view because it's war games. So it's super awkward. So they basically, they kind of do it in reverse. Like they have the cage match before they have to the...
3: do these, do these guys really need a cage match to begin with? Like
1: it, it would make sense if they do it in the other order because it's like, Oh, that's where Kurt hurt Rick. So badly. Right. This, this man, the so game. let's have the cage match and I'm going to get you kind of thing. But they just, it's just messed up because of war games. Uh, And then they also have like Eric comes out to remind Aaron who is his boss. And like, he shouldn't be helping out Dean and Steve because they're nobody's. uh, He's the one who gets to decide whether the horsemen come back. That's the first time you hear anything about Ric Flair for the first time in ages is Eric talking about legal issues. And then they set up this arm wrestling contest for nitro. And I think if, iron wins the horseman can come back i think it is and if he loses i don't know he becomes an indentured servitude
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that kind of thing like bishop is like that's the end of it and whatever but he, he's he's challenges aren't to, to use his bad hand basically because it's the, the atrophied one so yeah that's really it they're they're kind of steadily bringing back the horseman and this is this is the next step with wrestling kurt
3: it's really interesting that you brought up the the fact that they like used old footage of Arn. Yeah, it was really I think cool. That's some, yeah, I think that's something WCW doesn't do enough. They don't use their old footage that they have to kind of glorify the lineage of
1: WCW because so, there's a lot of
3: cool moments.
1: The thing that I came up with, because I had the same thought as you, is that so many of their guys just haven't been in the company for that long. So they don't have that footage to use. And he's one of the rare guys they do.
3: Yeah, but say like flair or Sting, or at least like when, when we had the year-long build of Sting, what's you know, is he on WCW oh, yeah. side? Like, not there's so much there's great so much moments Sting with Sting yeah, yeah. that they could have used and they yeah. didn't
0: really. So, some of them, unfortunately, are with guys that aren't in the company, is the issue. So, like, some of his really big moments are against Foley not in the company. Like, they're against the horseman. He, he has good horseman moments, but then some of his other big WCW matches are like vader who left on bad terms yeah and, but there's the ways you can get around that yeah, definitely just just,
3: yeah. just using like footage of them just doing the entrance because sting had some like pretty cool entrances back in the day too yeah yeah. No, I, I do
0: albums. mostly agree i think it feels like lazy or maybe not to get into people's heads but a bit of arrogance you know current wcw is so good and like so hip and like top of the ratings why do we need the old stuff that was failing I just like think that I bit. just
3: think their video department just wasn't polished, and you can yeah, see that just with their, their video packages. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, p- p- more than likely. Agree. It it is a really cool story thread they're following as well. Like you, you commented, that a huge reaction for Aaron when he came back. Like obviously, people want this. We are in Charlotte, so there's huge amount of flair chance in general. But the Horsemen are one of their biggest IPs that they're not currently getting any use out of.
1: They're not, but you can see there's lots of shirts and stuff in the crowd. They're definitely still selling it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a pretty constant thing throughout the Nitros and Thunders. Like, they they get pretty consistent horseman chants. Not always flair. I guess some some of it could be hard to tell. Like, they might have, it's definitely a persistent thing that stayed on their minds. And they do harp on it quite a lot. Like, they even bring another one of the promos. Benoit is there to appeal as well and that's the first time we've seen him in ages he's still in a big sling but he comes to kind of show he's like hey this is a big deal we want to keep this going and he's like trying to vouch for dean and as how much he means to him and eventually like Aaron gives him the pr- approval he's like hey if there was a horseman i think you're you would be a horseman if there was the four horsemen but there isn't at the moment but I yeah, think
0: very the, good uh very passionate i saw that promo dean, it seemed to mean a lot to dean like yeah tearing up and well, stuff like it's it's just
1: Aaron carries it realistically because he's the heart of of, of it so it's it's yeah. very well done it's just a shame that this is the result of it
0: <laughs> I, I do kind of forget how good Arn is on the mic oh yeah he's great yeah a very concise old school promo it's a little bit like a the Legion of Doom member was an animal that cut the promos. Animal, yeah. You kind of forget some of these old school guys are very good at talking, and it's a lot of it is lost in that generation of shouting. You know, I, I hate Hogan's promos. Yeah. You yeah. know, brother, and you forget they're not all Hogan. Some of them are actually quite good and have very passionate, uh, in depth promos. And Arn has some fantastic ones. The one with Dean, very good, uh, and. I think you're right. He makes it like he is. He is the horseman personified. I, th- I think even more than Rick, because Rick is very kind of can be very separate from the horseman. But I can't think of horseman without iron. I think it's very strange how the horseman became something kind of honorable to be, like this legacy. Because I just recently watched how they started.
1: Oh yeah, they're total heels. Like it's their yeah dirt bag band of the bastards. Matter. But I guess it's because they're homegrown, and it's yeah. the last. It's the only thing that's kind of stuck around through their history that they have to show for themselves, that's, like, absolutely WCW. Like, so much of the other stuff is taken from elsewhere and whatever, so.
0: Yeah, they're just such a typical band of bastards kind of heel group, like, keeping the faces down. But it did, it became this, like, almost, you know, it's an honour to be a horseman. I'm like, aren't they known for being dicks that just beat up faces all the time? Why is that? Yeah. Now, Kate, like obviously, shoot, people want to be a horseman. Like obviously, it's a big honor, and like some very great wrestlers were part of the horsemen. But yeah, I always thought it was kind of this funny perception we got into this era of wrestling uh, that the horsemen are a prestigious group opposed to you know just assholes that be so respect
1: at that at that stage.
0: Yeah, it certainly never really got diluted. Even if we don't agree with all the members, they weren't picked lightly, like some other factions that might be on this paper or not. <laughs> Oh, fuck.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) But onto their match. And honestly, I don't have many notes on this match because it is like a TV match. Dean works the knee, dominates 99% of the match. Hennig is very good at selling the body part and barely gets any offense in because anytime he tries to, he buckles under the pressure of his knee. He tries for a perfect plex, does not work. Dean does his own. And Rick Roode has seen enough and comes in and breaks up the pin. They give uh Dean a beatdown, Arn comes to the rescue this time, but gets beat down himself and gets his arm injured, which is huge because he's supposed to wrestle uh arm wrestle Bischoff to see if the horsemen come back on the nitro, I believe, the upcoming nitro. Yep. Which I don't know why that's a thing. I guess it builds into the like nerve damage injury that he has, and it's like Eric it being a shit heel. It won't heal, you know, in time because yeah. it's already wrecked. I don't know. Aaron's still seven times as big as Eric. It doesn't seem like a great idea. But that's the gimmick we're going with. I always find it very funny when a face runs in to save another face and just immediately gets beat down. It's like no offense (laughs) in. Like He he just slides into the ring, and I think Rick hits him once, and he, he he hits the deck. It's very funny. I would have loved to see these guys go longer. I know Kurt isn't in the best shape, and we say this almost every time we see him. But there's like a spark of a good match here. And like Curtis, so good at selling. Like he sold the knee, like he literally didn't function anymore. And a lot of people fail to do that, like, well. And he does fantastically. Still very weird seeing Dean being the face and just attacking someone's knee for a solid 10 minutes. But yeah, again, not really a match, just another segment. I would say most of the matches on this card have been segments. What do you guys think?
1: Watch the cage oh, match.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's, it's it's
1: that's the better match. The
3: only thing I remember from the match is when Hennig tries to head to the back at one point, the cameraman falls down trying to follow him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can't Man, keep yeah. up with him. He's too perfect.
3: Yeah, they yeah, <laughs> yeah heyo. They uh, <laughs> they do not cut away fast enough. So, but uh, yeah, I wanted to point out this is the last time we're gonna see both guys, which is kind of weird because uh, Hennig he's gone until like May of the following year. He has to heal up that knee.
0: Yeah, so I I didn't notice uh, until I write up on a legitimate knee injury here, and this is why they worked the knees so severely in the match, which makes way more sense, because while I was watching it, I'm like, this is a weird thing to have a face do for 10 minutes. Yeah. But it lets them write them off TV.
3: And as far as, like, Malenko not being on any more pay-per-views, I guess I get it. We kind of had his run already, and we've kind of... Already pointed out his faults, and it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, he he is back on a WCW pay-per-view, I think in like late 99 or something. So he's around, but it's just not in the slightly mid-card
0: status. I've enjoyed Milanko and feel like he's missed, but not by that much.
3: Integral part of our earlier
0: run, but yeah,
3: it's, it's time for other people to shine.
0: Yeah, he just didn't quite make it. Parts of his personality, parts of the feuds he did kind of not coming off perfectly. The horseman and McFarre thing is a bit weird because I do think he actually would have been like a perfect horseman. Uh, and it would have been really interesting to see on like this timeline. But yeah, I got, got about as far as he did with what he was doing. I, I, he's not like Eddie, where I think, or, or like the Giant or Jericho, where I think they're really big misses to not have pushed them more or anything. Uh, next segment, I mean, match. Match number seven uh, is very drunken Scott Hall with Vincent versus Conan. I've said it a little bit ago, I'll say it again. I, I do not enjoy the drunk Hall stuff at all. He's coming out, Vincent has a drink for him. He's like sneaking drinks all the time. They do a bit on Nitro where it's uh, he's in a tag match against Luger and Nash. And Nash doesn't like want to get in the ring with his friend in this state, which is way too realistic to what's actually happening in real life at that point. I know Lex like back, backs him into a corner and is like, what are you doing? You're going to hurt somebody. And I don't know if that's scripted or Lex actually saying that to a drunken Hall. Like the, the lines are completely blurred, which I guess in their defense makes for very compelling TV. But I don't want to think Hall's out there fucking monster mashed hurting people in the ring. Is it covering up that he's really drunk sometimes? It's almost
3: weird, like is this enabling hall? Like it's yeah. it's a
0: it's an awkward thing to his, think about. His wife writes a letter at some stage. I don't know when it is. She actually ends up doing it twice. Once when she, uh he, he's in WCW and once when she's in the Indies on like a, I think
3: it's definitely this year.
0: Yeah, where she's like basically you're all enablers, like the whole wrestling community is enabling him. And it's oh, not yeah, it's not sure. fun, it's not funny. He's dying like. And then she does it again on the Indies when he's fired from all major companies. He's like this was true like five years ago, and it's true now, except it's like small companies taking advantage of them, not big ones. But you are killing him uh, in a very real sense. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never. We've never seen a straight answer of why they thought this was acceptable. We've seen people like Bischoff go there regret it, but I have no idea why they decided to run with it at the time. I don't think the drunk gimmick has ever been done well. They did it with a uh, Hawk as well, right? Yeah, that was really grim.
3: It was done in yeah. TNA. It was done in. Oh yeah, they
0: did it with Rhino and they did it with James Storm and
3: you know, pointing out Jeff Hardy's troubles as well. Like it, it can never really reach a good ceiling. It, it's that, just
0: that one was so bad because the the point Punk was making is like you shouldn't be on TV. You shouldn't be a role model for kids.
2: Yeah, like, yeah that's true.
0: That's just true. That's just true. He shouldn't be on TV. He should be getting help somewhere, and you keep hiring him. It's too much like a TV show kind of
1: plot mm. and it's not, it doesn't really gel with wrestling. I think. Yeah.
3: It, I, I kind of think of like the miscarriage angle too. It, it feels yeah. too, too soap opery. but yeah, it's like...
1: but it's just why, why is this in relation? Like, I don't understand why he's wrestling, like why that's a thing that gives him a, a reason to wrestle or be in conflict with somebody. It just, it just doesn't gel like particularly with this one, obviously because he's technically wrestling or whatever.
0: They also never have, like, with a sitcom or, like, a uh, soap, you can have an ending that's relatable to human beings, like a story, you know what I mean? You can have consequences. You can have, like, resolution. You can help and empathize with real humans. That's just not going to happen on a wrestling show.
1: Well, like, they kind of do it with Hangman. I'll give credit to AEW. That's true, yeah. It's probably yeah. The one time it's worked. <laughs> but that, that had a lot more layers to it. And also, he was never, like... It was Drunk, never yeah. treated like he was like in a real bad place. It was just kind of like he was partying too much or whatever he was having. Yeah, distracting himself. Yeah, or whatever. it, it yeah. wasn't like oh, this dude is destroying himself. I don't know. It's it's a mess anyway. The only reason Conan is they're just wrestling because they're they're not in war games. That's the only reason this is happening.
0: So Hall was supposed to be in uh, war games initially, and then he wasn't. Uh, I think the term was medically cleared. Because of his uh, drunkenness. He he reported himself for a substance abuse problem. A bit like modern like WWE uh, substance abuse things. But then was somehow cleared to do this segment. Which no one really knows why or how. I, is this
1: to get him off TV again? I don't know. Probably not, knowing them. No. But um. like how, how
0: can he... like He basically reported himself so he wouldn't have to do the main event. This is kind of the shoot story. But then they still put him in a match in the card. So how is that? Well, I know how it's possible. They're, self, they're self-policing. they're self So they can do whatever the fuck they want, I guess. But it's just a very weird thing to do. Pull them from the main, put Stevie Ray in there instead, and then mm. still have him be the and second balls. last match of the... Yeah, and the second last match of the card. Not just like the first match and blow off and people forget about it in 10 seconds. I know? mean, I guess in one sense,
1: it's, meant, it's sort of meant to be a punishment because... I, I assume we're not really going to talk about the match, but, like, Conan goes over clean. Like, it's, like... Very clean. <laughs> like, yeah. literally the most clean match any NWO member pretty much ever has. And, like, while Hall is a bit of a mess and whatever at, the to- at, at that moment, he's still a big deal yeah. in terms of, like, hierarchy. So Conan beating him is a big deal for Conan. So I guess they could be punishing him and saying like, well, we're giving your spot to Conan kind of, I don't know if that's yeah. true or anything, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, genuinely Conan works very, very hard. I don't particularly enjoy him, but he's there he's every single week. He has a match almost every single night and he's like entertaining. All his stupid promo bullshit <laughs> gets over. <laughs> None of Gosh, it makes sense. I told,
3: I'm telling you, nine-year-old Connor. Totally
1: marking out. Ah, to sure, I kind of like. it. I kinda, I, it, I kinda want the poncho. The poncho's pretty cool. <laughs> it's nice to give him a bit of shine, but not like this, I don't think.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, well, I think part of what makes me uncomfortable is the way the drunkenness is handled kind of with this match as well, because it's kind of more played for comedy, which yeah. is like I do kind of enjoy, which is awkward yeah. because Hall does the ab stretch, and usually that's where he grabs you know, Nash's hand for extra leverage, but instead he's you know, sneaks in a drink. So there's little touches that he's he's added in there to that's making it kind of it is isn't making it somewhat
0: compelling, but it's still it's the drunken it's, master stuff, right? Are either of you familiar with drunken master yeah, yeah. the chan films? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's that stuff. Like when that stuff happens, that's funny. And I I'd like to see that. I'd like to see like a wrestler that drinks and gets better at wrestling as he goes. That, sounds See now, funny. that would
1: be a fun gimmick. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I've already got the female wrestler for you, Dave. <laughs> That's true. <sweet. laughs> Shout out to Se- uh, session. Mot. I, I, I don't know if any of the listeners would know her. Yeah, that that would be fun. And then you're making fun of like being inebriated, opposed to you know. Slowly killing yourself with alcoholism, and your friends being very distressed, which is his current. Gimmick. I mean, like
1: he manages to get Vincent concerned for him, and Vincent never has any personality, so mm. Vincent
0: plays his role well. I'll say actually, like, yeah, yeah, that's, the that's friend really that's bad. like compelled to give you drink, but is trying to stop you. It's like everyone's had a friend like that at a party, like oh, you shouldn't have more. And you're like yeah, come on, give me one more. Kind of thing. He does that quite well, like as a person that doesn't have choice, but uh, this isn't great. The, the abdominal, abdominal stretch reminds me of an old spot that I really like, a little bit of a side tangent. I think it's Don Morocco. Comes down subway. the subway. It's so good. He There's just a jobber, and he comes down to the ring eating like a subway and having a soda. And just in between like power slams, he'd go back to the ring and just uh, ringside and start eating a bit more and go back in and just hit another move. Also a great gimmick, but uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll we'll move on from this. He is on the next show hall, right? Is it one more show we have him for?
3: Yeah, we we get we get the uh, the face off with Kevin Nash.
0: Yeah, so we have him for a big match for the next card. We'll try not harp on too much about how this gimmick is in very ill taste because I think that's been very well documented. And we'll try to talk a bit more about the actual wrestling, but not really anything to talk about in this match. Uh, Conan going over strong and getting more and more over, I think, as Gus has pointed, uh, as time goes, to my chagrin. And we'll have to cover him plenty more as well. Match number eight of the night, the big one, War Games. We have the altered rules, as we've said before, and this is the last War Games we will cover. And the last War Games, WCW hold on a pay-per-view. They have one on a random Nitro and what's that cunt's name? Uh, Vince Russo. Vince Russo. In the Vince Russo very much era of. Uh, I'm booking. glad I knew who you're talking
3: about. Uh, well, what's that cunt's name? Oh, he's yeah, uh, Vince Russo.
0: <laughs> it has to be Vince Russo. <laughs> a cage match on a nitro with a cunt? That has to be Vince Russo. <laughs> uh, which is a shame. I've enjoyed War Games. I think they haven't done a fantastic job of booking them every time. But probably one of Dusty Rhodes' best hairbrained schemes, to be honest. But this one kind of proves why Eric Bischoff shouldn't book war games. And we're going to go through it. The first men in the ring are DDP and Brett the Hitman Hart. A very smart starts for sure. These guys can carry full match on. But they don't need to. Not much happens in this fucking match. Uh, they both have fast-paced starts. They both attempt pinfalls, which go kind of well with the team of the match, which is you can win at any stage. And Brain makes I'm sure to point that out, that if he was one of the men in the ring, he'd go for a quick pin. And I think at one stage, Brent like tries a, a small package and stuff like that. Then again, he does that all the time. Uh, so stuff from them for the first five minutes because that's how long they have to wait for the next people to come in. But kind of makes me want to see more between the two. And do we do either of you guys know if these uh, ever do a singles feud? They've wrestled for the US title like recently. Yeah, but they, they don't have like a prolonged or they neither of them go at it when DDP is like the world mm-hmm. champion or anything, do they? I
3: don't think so. I'm not sure. Seems like something they want to book. Yeah. Small note though, I I will have a small gripe with this that Penzer does announce like how much time is left. Yeah. For some reason, but they have a Jumotron with the clock on it. So they don't need to do this.
0: Doesn't even do a countdown. He's just like two
3: minutes ish.
0: Two minutes left. Two Thirty seconds. Minutes. So
3: you, you don't need to say, we see the clock. You yeah. can even see it on camera. You don't have to say it.
0: Yeah, and then like the brain because they're just killing time because nothing's happening in the ring goes over you know when you're a wrestler you don't always hear that that's why managers like me were important to tell you stuff like that i'm like what the fuck are you talking about Brain? (laughs) this is why a manager just goes into it about how good of a manager he is third man in is stevie ray the time between him and the next person is a lot shorter it includes like his entrance so it's like two minutes or whatever nothing happens while stevie's in the ring sting gets a very loud reception as the fourth person as do most of the wolf pack members coming into this match he stinger splashes over the two rings like into from the first ring over into the second one then another splash onto stevie while he's stuck in between the ring and the cage piper is the fifth person to absolutely zero reception and i had indeed forgotten he's hired by the company and he punches everyone including his teammate because he's a smart human being luger is the sixth this is uh very rough to watch It's like a shit royal rumble I have in my notes at this point. I have nothing written about any of the moves Luger does as he gets in the ring because I don't think he does any. Kev is the seventh guy who gets pyro as he sprints to the ring. In brackets, no wonder this company went broke. (laughs) Hogan just comes in a minute early. The door is just left open. He just comes in, leaving you wondering why all the men didn't do this. Why didn't everybody
1: bring a weapon like Stevie Ray did?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hogan gets given the—they call it a slapjack. I'm still not sure what's a slapjack. Is that an American thing, Connor? I thought it was a flapjack. No, his like phrase is like sl- slapjack. I thought, it yeah, was a it's a it, yeah, it's just a leather strap. Yeah, that's also a card game.
2: <laughs>
3: well, yeah. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad we uh all- cleared that <laughs> up, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: very right, important yeah. information. <laughs> what what do they say it's made out of? They said some kind of weird material to make up for the fact that Hogan is like sending people to something, the something that, that hurts. Them. Yeah, like he's knocking people out for five minutes with a gentle tap of this letter Like it's so funny. This is awful. Uh, they move. They move Nash into an awkward corner spot which is very obviously so they don't bump onto the fucking trap door. Like, they just move him into the very corner of the ring so Hogan can barely hit a bunch of leg drops on him. So Nash has done exactly zero moves, got slapjacked, and takes a nap in the side of the ring while he gets leg dropped. And I want want the, the listeners to think about quite how much money Nash made that night. He's, like, one of the most
1: over that. people in the company, so fair play to him. He
0: is, but do a move, of course. One move is all I ask.
1: That's the goal. Go, do as little
0: as possible and make as much money. I, I respect the hustle. Like <laughs> As Hogan pins mash the ring uh, fills with bellowing smoke. And the warrior so appears. Sort of. Yeah, they have to, like, put it on hyper blast for a second because it's going to slow. You can hear the machines like work overtime. Mm. The warrior appears in the middle of the ring doing his like weird fist pump fucking taunt for no reason. And Hogan just hits him. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Hogan just decks him. The smoke appears again and Hogan is standing up, holding the warrior's jacket. Like I got him. I got his jacket. And warriors just at the top of the ramp to run back down to the ring Yeah, because he has to get in officially.
2: What? Why why was this? What? Why bother? Because,
3: Dave, we have the Renegade under contract. We have to use him somehow. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: so
0: funny. Why isn't it, like, reversed or something? Like, uh, why isn't it, like, I don't know. None of it makes sense. This is why Bulldog died. This is the fucking worst. Oh, God. Oh, wow. It's just so nonsensical. What advantage did Warrior gain from doing this,
3: man? Money,
0: trunks, money. <laughs> 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 loads of money. But like, who who booked this? and went, yeah, Hogan. That's what the fans <laughs> will
3: love. It's, Ho- Go- it's it's
0: obviously Hogan. Yeah. By the way, nothing has happened to the other members of the match in the nine minutes. Oh, this they're taking a nap.
2: That's, so yeah. They're
0: just sitting in the second ring, waiting for it to end. Hogan hightails it out of the ring, locks the, locks the door, says something about knocking out the ref to Stevie Ray, who's in the ring, which is very funny to me. If I was the ref, I'm like, excuse you what? <laughs> <laughs> Do what to the ref? Warrior disposes of Stevie Ray. He then, which is kind of cool, busts out of the side of the cage to follow Hogan and chase him up the ramp. Shoot hurts his ankle and his ribs doing this. He's also a magic man. Why can't he disappear again, Gus?
1: (laughs) Take too much time to do that. Yeah, we- yeah. the machine is charging. Them.
0: <laughs> <We've-> <laughs> he hasn't got Our a smoke- special bar full yet. <laughs> Our smoke budget for the month is gone. <laughs> <laughs> then all the other wrestlers in the ring ask, where is Hulk Hogan? And start wrestling again. This includes Stevie Ray slapjacking Bret Hart by mistake instead of DDP, getting diamond-cuttered, and taking the pin. And I felt every minute of this 20-minute match in my soul. Oh, it was bad. I, I've never looked this up, so
1: maybe this is really known. I, did they botch the end of this? I know they, like, DDP just gets hit by the slapjack, which is really... Yeah, uh, in not that just sense, that. Yes. It looks like Sting is trying to pin, is it Brett? Oh, do a simultaneous yeah. pin or something? Yeah, I think they're yeah. trying to do a double pin. And Brett just falls. Yeah. Hmm. Now, it doesn't really matter because that they just announced Sting has a title match. Yeah. <laughs> during the match right. against goldberg so you better tune into nitro you know the thing that's free not the thing you've just paid for so i have to ask why does sting even care he already has his title match what difference does it make to him oh i got two title matches maybe it's there's so many wrong things with this match there's multiple things they miss there's a big uh move sting does at one point and the camera Like, cuts away, and you just kind of see it in the background. (laughs) And he's done like a stinger splash or something, some major kind of pop move, and the crowd goes mental for it, and you have no clue. And that's like a minor thing in the grand scheme of things of how badly this match goes off.
0: Remember, I remember people being like, WCW is the worst. Remember when David Arquette was the champion? I'd take a hundred David Arquettes over (laughs) watching this ever again in my life. This is the worst. This is the worst. This is 10 very expensive people where only two of them try and ever do a move. Hulk Hogan is the fucking worst. I can't believe you guys made me watch this. <laughs> I, just, I, can't, uh, I, I can't even have a coherent thought. I'm so angry about how bad this was. Just you no, you know, to, to make you feel better.
3: Yeah. So we, I don't think you mentioned that warrior, you know, he shakes out, he gets out and then uh, starts beating up Hogan when he's also hurt. Security tried to stop them for some reason. They're still yeah. in the match. Why are they stopping them? <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, oh, you're on the, the
1: ramp. That's illegal. Get
3: What's out of that? here.
0: You're all fired. You're now fired. under,
1: like, common law rules. <laughs> 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 uh,
3: this is assault. No.
1: Assault. <laughs>
3: but to be honest, like, I'm so depressed just because DDP, this is how he gets his title shot. Yeah. This is, like, the it's big the moment for him. And, like, the crowd barely, like, you can tell they're looking. They're still looking at the rampway, and they miss the count. Like this should be like the cor- like coronation of DDP. But then, as Gus you said, oh guys, tune in tomorrow, Goldberg Sting. It's like, yeah. Come on, really?
0: Why did they do the pin in the ring where there's 62 people? Why doesn't DDP get like a little sequence in like the side ring where there's no one? It, did
1: they miss time the match and they have no time left on the paper? That's possible. Do they all not want to bump in the trapdoor ring? That's probably (laughs) Probably, a valid reason. (laughs) What
3: I think think happened was Hogan's like, alright, brother, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna get my shit in and then the match will end. Finish whatever, yeah. And then people are like, well, what do we do? Like, figure it out, brother.
0: So I don't wanna wanna do a bump the entirety of the night. So I'm gonna get this foreign object. I'm gonna hit like five people. Okay, then what? Now that's kind of it. Then I leave. Of note, I love brain coughing at the smoke just completely taking the piss out of the match. He's like a mile away from the ring when the smoke starts co- coming in. He's like, <laughs> and none of the other commentators are doing it. And he's just coughing. I'm like, I think brain knows
3: say. what's coming.
0: Yeah. he really. <laughs> I, th-
3: I think he knows that we have, we have lost it. We, we had our <laughs> chance with Goldberg and this is yeah. kind of what it's.
0: Yeah, we, we, we were, kind of we had good ratings for a while. There was raises for everyone on the horizons. Now this is it. Now this is what the My, might as
3: well. Called. Might as well
1: have
0: fun. While I'm yeah. going out. I, let's <laughs> check out and just enjoy what we can <laughs> Yeah, I have no words. I, I, thought, I thought stuff, I, I say this nearly every time something bad happens, but I thought stuff got bad when they were like down in the ratings for ages, for like over a year, and they were clutching at straws. But bringing in Warrior for the amount of money, fucking rehashing these old WWF feuds that barely worked, fucking this match that's an abomination that no one with eyeballs can look at and not be sad, this entire card being one. Rolling disappointment after the next and not only disappointments that can, can't be avoided, like if people are injured or sometimes bad booking happens, purposely getting people's hopes up just to dash them every time. Yeah.
3: And it's kind of weird too because mostly we we harp on WCW for popping ratings or popping you know just big buy rates and whatever. This was the second lowest buy rate of the year. Second lowest! Like That's how bad things have just turned. You spent all the money on Warrior, and this is the result of it.
1: Do you know what it tells me? You should book your fucking champion on the show. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Goldberg chants multiple
0: times in the night. Put him People. in a feud.
1: <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't have a feud. It's it's unbelievable.
0: Well, yeah. Why Sorry. He, champion at this
1: they're starting to build something with him and Kevin. I'll give right, that, but, I actually forgot
3: to mention that in the Nitro yeah. segment so fair play to them that build to the Starcade match was they hinted at it so that's yeah. well done on that, That's
1: body. not too bad but like you've got to give him something to do like he's still beating up jobbers like he's not wrestling anybody relevant. You kind of have to bring him into orbit of everybody else now
0: <laughs> He's
1: the world champ, you kind of have to have something
0: Not not to jump too far ahead but that's so funny uh, about the, the kind of argument he had that he didn't want to wrestle Jericho that was kind of beneath him but he is fighting jobbers every week guys that we don't see on TV like Johnny sweatpants and trunks you know what I mean like he's fight he's fighting these guys on on shows Jericho's at least on TV every week. He's yeah, one of your th- champions. <laughs> I
3: think the distinction is he doesn't like the comedy. I think that's what exactly he said to Jericho. He was like oh, uh, I don't do yeah, that's fair brother. enough. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He just, he, just, he, he just didn't get it. He just didn't
0: get it. Every good big, nearly every good big wrestler if, I can think of did comedy at one stage. If I'm remembering right, there were two title belts on this show. Yeah, the rest of them were all in the cage match, right? Brett is US champion. Nash is half of the tag team champions at no, the stage. No, <laughs> is it not giant and oh, i was a giant giant and hall so. it's giant and hall Oh, and hall, so. hall brought his belt that's true he
1: did and nice. then the cruiserweight champion
3: cruiserweight yeah.
1: and then every other belt is none well sorry chris is is there with his belt
3: technically so, to you? yeah, not really
1: it's literally on the show though so i'll give it because i was given like Wait. hall is one of the only people who has a belt with him like <laughs>
0: who, who's tv champion at the moment chris jericho jericho Oh Jericho's TV, not Cruiserweight, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was a new
3: development that just happened randomly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, Giant uh, helped him win the belt, basically.
0: Fantastic, and that stayed relevant to the
1: story later, right? Uh, they right. haven't brought it back up since, yeah.
0: Oh, excellent! No, excellent. and we'll never get brought
1: up. Booker's been back on. <laughs> Booker has been back on TV, by the way.
0: Oh, oh, yeah,
3: yeah.
1: But it's uh, all to get beaten up so Stevie Ray could get in the end of a row.
3: So yeah, this matchup... <laughs> this match ended War games and it's i i understand why now
0: but it's like it's one of those things we we've said about other companies have done this before it's like that meme where you the kid puts the stick in his own spokes in his bike it's like eric putting like a Mm. stick in the own spokes of his company like oh fucking war games it's so hard to shoot like you did you none of this needed to happen it could have just been two teams it could have just been two teams. It could have been the same rules as it always is. One of them is Team Warrior. One of them is Team Hogan. That's not like
3: even that. Just you, just yeah, you just book it better. There is a lot of other things you can do.
0: Didn't even need to be teams. That' that Just tell them that they're all by themselves. Yeah, mm. ten man scrum. Ask them to do some moves. That's that's <laughs> something original on your on your wrestling show. I am going to put a rule into the next war games. They have at least two moves each that aren't a punch
3: you know if you're gonna highlight hogan and warrior which i understand the reason you're gonna do that i understand but how about you put them at the beginning of the match
2: (gasps) oh
0: man
3: yeah nope at the end of the match
0: why we haven't seen the the warrior in the mirror yet have we no. oh yeah that's next month that's yeah next we get
3: ch- we get chucky and mirror spot yeah
0: mirror spot is the best are we crazy because we can also see Warren.
2: <laughs>
0: never know You'll never know. uh that's one of my favorite wrestling moments to be fair yeah this we've already voiced it a lot but i'm gonna ask you gentlemen what did you think of the show overall and whose side are you on uh you first please connor
3: Oh, I didn't even write down whose side I'm on because there's there's just really nothing. I'm just gonna go Jericho again because he's just default answer. I'd maybe say Saturn, but eh, I don't I don't know. All, all the bad matches we had to watch with them, they kind of soured me on it. For the show, yeah, it's it's it was pretty much a slog to get through. It was just not much happened. We're used to having like big overarching storylines with WCW, but for some reason, like past like three or four months we've had like nothing really I don't, I don't I'm not sure why it's just
1: because you're I'm, real I'm sure champion it's part of on the show
3: uh, champion's on the show but I it's <laughs> and it's something to do with internally in the company I know yeah. like different people keep booking the shows I I know I think Terry Taylor and Sullivan, they kind of like they're not booking the shows as much and now this is kind of the era of uh, Hogan bischoff and Nash is gonna start ending the picture and that's kind of why we're seeing a little bit of just sloppy and just stuff that just does not make sense. And this is now where they're just rewriting episodes of Nitro on the fly as well. And it, it's just, it's really showing at this
1: point.
0: How about you Gus? Whose side are you on? And uh, what did you think of the pay-per-view as a
2: whole?
1: Yeah, I was originally going to go with Perry, but since you already named him, I'm going to go with my boy K-Dog because uh, mm. he, he got probably his signature win of this run, I guess, I don't think it's going to get much better for for Conan than beating another NWO member clean. So we'll give it to him for once. But pretty much agree mostly with everything Connor says. It's just sad watching these shows. It's tough going to to get through because there's just so little is happening. They have so much talent in certain areas, and they're just blindly ignoring them. Oh, it's really starting to bother me. Like all the matches they're giving away, for example, like Sting and Goldberg. Like, that, that should be a feud of some sort or some sort giant of build. Goldberg. Giant Goldberg. They gave away John Goldberg. just, the, And they'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that could be a month. Easy. Like, that should could just be a pay-per-view main event. It probably shouldn't be too difficult to to build it up. And instead, they're just thrown away on Nitro and Thunder for, for nothing. And they're probably not even getting a finish out of it. It's probably a DQ or a no contest because the end interferes or whatever. Yeah, it's it's just really wearing thin like there's no there's never any definitive answers like I think the reason I liked Saturn's match so much is because there's an actual end to it. <laughs> However much you liked it, whatever, but it actually just went this is the end of this. <laughs> and so many other things just don't. So yeah, really down on on it right now. This is real, I guess, because they had such a good year in 97 they're raking in so much money that it they don't they haven't noticed properly and now they're in panic mode as like the realization that everything has been going not great and now they have to figure out how to turn around when obviously they're not going to so uh, there's very few bright spots uh in the company at the moment from their point of view anyway
0: yeah, yeah i think you guys have uh have the right to be very down on the product at the moment it is a hard hard watch I put off watching the main event for this for a while, to be honest, to the day of recording. I th- most of <laughs> the rest of the card watched, and I just couldn't watch the main. Nearly zero out of 10 show for me. One of the worst I think we have watched so far. Do not mm-hmm. recommend watching it. Not even comedy value. Yeah. But usually some of the bad stuff is like, you know what? This is funny. If you're into wrestle crap, watch it. But the warrior stuff isn't even wrestle crap. It's just, it's nothingness. It's, it's boring. It's, it's uneventful. Uh, as for whose side I'm on Kidman, Kidman's free. Don't <laughs> dare you power bomb him. Yeah. Team Kidman, let's go. Uh, I think he's a champion the next time we see him. His singles push is going well. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see some Cruiserweight Kidman. I have
3: fond memories of the Kidman singles runs. I really like
0: Kidman. Yeah, I think Kidman's good. uh, And I'm excited to see kind of how he goes. Like there's been some nice Cruiserweight surprises for me so far. So um, let's hope that continues. Let's hope that's the bright spot we can look forward to on these shows. That's us for another edition of the WCW vs. NWO Podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle WCW vs. NWO Podcast. Where else can they find us, Connor? Uh,
3: Patreon.com slash WCW vs. NWO Podcast. If you would like to support us for $1, you can get some bonus episodes. We do some Nitro flashbacks and all some other random wrestling events that we've done. Also, check out sportsobsessing.com for any wrestling articles you want we also do all the major sports baseball basketball things like that but also we post our episodes on that site as well Sportsobsessive.com.
0: for me connor and thanks for listening and join us next time when all oh, the world champions on the card